This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 522 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, February 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by both Justin Mason and Nick Pollock. Guys, what is up? What is happening? Thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm super honored to be part of The Sleeping Sleeper and the Bust here today. Justin may be the sleeper. Yes, because I'm definitely the sleeper. He, he is not that kind of sleeper, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, he's on an all-nighter. Your boy is too, though. We got double on iron, so one of us could hit narcolepsy and just pass out. Nick, you're gonna have to carry it home if that happens. And I, you know what? I have the utmost confidence in you because I believe that you could do solo dolo episodes. I listen to your podcast, and you know your co-hosts are great, but I feel like you could just boot them at any time and drop an hour easy because I know I can't, and we're pretty similar outside of one particular picture, which we're not going to get. <laughs> we're not going to talk about him, but that not means a that. lot. Thank oh you. no, we're but he's, he's my pick. Before. He's my pick for tier one. He's your pick for <laughs> the best, best pitcher out there. So uh, for those that don't know, Nick Pollock does contribute to the site. He is a, he is a Rotographs writer, uh, but where you may know him and where you should know him, if you do not uh, read pitcherlist.com, uh, you're missing out. That's pitcherlist.com, and he's on uh, Twitter at the pitcherlist. So there's the the in the Twitter handle, and then it's just pitcherlist on the website. So if you want to make it easy, just go the pitcherlist on Twitter, and you'll find the website from there. Uh, he has amazing gift breakdowns that you got used to reading on the website uh, at Rotographs over at pitcherlist.com. They just did a 3.0 relaunch. It's brilliant, and we got a good response, Justin, to our episode breaking down outfielders. And I thought, why not do something very similar? with pitchers and bring Nick on. It, it seemed like a great idea, and I don't usually have many of those, so I, I feel like this is probably my one for the month. I'm not sure I'm going to have another good idea the rest of the month. Yeah, if you're listening to this now and you're expecting to get through this on your daily commute, hold off, hit pause, play it during the weekend when you don't have anything to do because this bitch is about to go six hours. Ooh, I can't swear <laughs> on this one. There's just no way. There's no way it's not. So I will say this. I did learn a little bit from ours, yours, yours and mine about outfielders. We were a little uh, free form, and it worked. I really think it did. I enjoyed it, and again, we got good feedback. But we got a little bit more uh, with the pointed questions here. We're, we're going to be a little bit more focused uh, going by tiers here. We are still using NFBC average draft position as our guide, and um, I will I will include that link once again, and then you'll have to go into the date and make it. February 1st until now, because that's what we're using as our guide for these and the tiers that I broke down. 
Um, so it's let's just dive in because again, it could go long. Uh, we have some long-winded folks here, and we got a lot of good information to get into. So I'm just going to jump in right off the top here and talk about tier one, which I think is just a four-person tier. I think we can all agree on that. That uh, that that first round group there of Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, and Corey Kluber. Uh, they're going 8, 11, 13, and 14, respectively. NFBC leagues are generally 15-team leagues. They do have some 12-team ones, but generally they are 15-teams. So those are all first-rounders. Nick, let me ask you first. Do you disagree with any of them being in Tier 1? And on top of that, would you would you take all of them in the first round yourself? So, yeah, that's definitely Tier 1. No question. Uh, it just seems exactly in that order, too. Kershaw, Scherzer, Sale, Kluber. That's exactly how I have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I generally don't go with starters in the first round. In a 15-teamer, I can imagine myself at 14 or 15 going after Kershaw if he's still there. Sure. But, you know, if, if Kershaw is gone, I'm probably not going after either of them in the first round. Any of the, like, any Scherzer, Sale, Kluber, I'm passing on them. Yeah, for those that don't know, Nick's not a huge first-round pitcher guy, uh, but he will he will dive in in the middle, find his sleepers, and then work the wire, of course, too. Because again, when you're on a site called PitcherList.com, <laughs> you obviously know the pitcher pool pretty well, so you're going to feel confident about your in-season skills. I can totally relate to that. Uh, so I, I I hear you there, uh, Justin. Same questions to you. Do you disagree with any of those guys in Tier One, and would you take them in the first round of a 15-teamer? Um, I do not uh, disagree with any of them. I have Scherzer above Kershaw just because of the amount of innings that he's thrown uh, consistently. Uh, But I honestly, for me, it's like I I think you're kind of, you know, you're 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 picking hairs if you're uh, if you're really complaining about the order of somebody's first four. I really don't think that there's that huge amount of difference. So I'm gonna take whoever is last off this or whoever's left towards the end of a uh, a first round and fifteen teamer. Uh, I have a lot of shares of Scherzer and Kluber already. Um, I love taking one of these guys and then pairing them with a stud bat uh, in with this year's kind of first and second round class. Uh, I have because then you can just wait. I can wait forever and not have to worry about taking another pitcher until you know round seven or round round eight. I just feel like it gives you such a nice stable base that I'm I'm totally down to take a pitcher this early. I completely agree, and, and the depth of hitters uh, is such that that you really do get a high class, high class guy there. Um, even if you maybe wait to try to push that pitcher into the second round, depending on how the draft is playing, and you can see that maybe Kluber's going to make it, and you've got Chris Bryant and Corey Kluber, or Carlos Correa and and Chris Sale, like. It's such a dynamic one-two punch there. Of course, if you're at 15 and you know that the, one of those pitchers is going to be there, then you, then you can just take the hitter in the first round for the sake of you know semantics and say you took a first-round hitter and then all of a sudden bounce back with pick 16 and take your pitcher. So I am very much open to it. Uh, I'm not taking Kershaw this year because he's he is going to go higher. I don't think he's really going to fall very often there. There was a draft. His max pick is 15. So there is that scenario where Nick would get him at 15 in in, in the right circumstance, and I would agree with that. But generally speaking, he, he's going with an average pick of eight. I'm not taking him there, and it's less about him, and it's more about those hitters in the first round, um, and also the fact that he's come back to the pack. He's still 
otherworldly. There's really no denying that. This is no shade on Kershaw. But back when I was propping him as a first rounder, it was because he was so far above the rest of the class. And I think that the class has jumped up toward him and he's come back to it at the same time. Meanwhile, the depth of hitter in the first round, that was another part of it where it was like, well, I didn't really want to take any of these uh, mid to late first round hitters. So why don't I get the best head and shoulders pitcher? And we're talking, you know, three, four years ago. And now I think that dynamic has shifted where you've got guys like Mookie Betts and Bryce Harper and the aforementioned Correa, Chris Bryant, and I feel very comfortable taking them in the latter half there. So uh, I don't want to dive too deep on this group because, again, what, what more can you really say? They're all aces. You can kind of jumble them up how you wish. Um, for me, like I said, it's the two NLers and then the two ALers. However, you kind of want to see those two match. That's fine. You know, I have Scherzer top. If someone takes Kershaw first, I'm not like, oh, you made a terrible pick. So we will move on from that and start getting into the meat of it. Let's talk tier two. And for that, it's uh, Strasburg at pick 26, Bumgarner at pick 26 as well. Some of the picks will match, guys, because we're talking about an average. So it's 25.5 and 26.1. I'm rounding. So it's Strasburg 26, Bumgarner 26, Noah Syndergaard pick 33, Luis Severino pick 33, and then DeGrom and Carrasco pick th- picks 35 uh, on average. So let's start, Justin. Who's your favorite tier two arm? You know, I'm going to be real honest. Like, in, in, in the little rundown you sent, it's like Justin's favorite tier two arm. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I really have one. It, for me, it's Luis Severino. Uh, okay. One, he's a yes. little bit cheaper than these guys. And two, I, you know, I'm really sad because I'm looking at the top of his player page at, at the articles that are up there. And my bold predictions piece from last year is no longer up there. It fell off. Oh, <laughs> um, man. You know, because I, I, I've been a big Severino guy for a while. Uh, I mean, I didn't think he was going to do what he did last year necessarily coming into the year, but I knew it was possible, um, and and I buy it. I, what we saw last year is, I think, completely legitimate as long as he stays healthy. You know, they're, you know, I, and any pitcher can get hurt, but I think a lot of these guys in tier two have some real health issues. You know, especially Syndergaard. Uh, especially uh, Strasburg. I'm really scared about Madison Bumgarner. I didn't get to talk about it when you guys did the, or when we did the Eno going away uh, uh, podcast, but his concerns uh, on Madison Bumgarner for me are completely founded. Um, and he, he looks like he's in great shape. Got to see him at FanFest this last weekend. But I was going to say, um, wasn't there a, a best shape of his life for him? Su- supposedly. I believe but, I heard. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm really worried uh, you know, I mean, this is this his end of the season is the epitome of what we we talk about in the industry is like the difference between command and control. Like he was able to get pitches in the zone last year, but if you watch the movement on the catcher's glove, he really struggled uh, at the end of the year, uh, make you know hitting the glove, and that to me is really concerning. I'm going to stay away from Madison Bumgarner this year, um, and so for me, out of this tier, I, I'm, I'm all about Luis Severino. If I take a pitcher, I probably won't in this tier. I'll probably go with a hitter, but uh, if I do, it's Luis Severino. Nick, I'm nice. flipping it for you. Who's your yeah. least favorite uh, of this group here? And um, you know, we're going to do this least in, in favorite for a couple of the tiers, and then we'll get into uh, similar questions for both of you. But I, in, in the interest of time, I wanted to just go with a, a least favorite from Nick. And uh, who, who are you not taking at their current ADP in this tier two? Yeah, definitely. Uh, first of all, Justin, I love your Severino pick there. Uh, I totally believe in all of his talents. And I think yeah, he's kind of like Yofer in a way of the way he has this changeup that is his third option, but still really good pitch. And his slider is so devastating as well. I totally believe it. I, my least favorite is Carlos Carrasco. 
Uh, he's he's at the clear bottom of this for exactly actually the same reasons you said, Justin, is that his durability, I don't trust that he can do 200 innings again. Uh, he had 183 in 2015, 146 in 2016. And it's also kind of this thing with the Cleveland Indians where they all drink the water that prevents them from having a good fastball. Right. And they got like it's this dog shit fastball. No, but it's like everyone. I mean, even Clevenger has mm-hmm. the same thing too now because now he's part of the crew. And uh, Carrasco's four seamer last year allowed a batting average of 310 and ISO above 220. And this is actually not just last year, but all three seasons, the past three seasons, 2015, 16, and 17. It's always been an issue for him. I uh, tried to increase his sinker usage to help, but that. You know, I finally found the zone at 52.9% of the time, but it had a 323 batting average with an OPS allowed of 916. So this is a real problem for me, and I don't really see him taking another step to be close to a top five guy just because he does, he has his pitch that's really terrible, and he's not Corey Kluber. Like, I understand secondary pitches are great, but it's but not, they're not, it's they're not, not Kluber. Kluber. Yeah, it's right. not Klubot's breaker. So, so you uh, combine that with his durability, and I don't think that he's going to go 200 innings again, and that means that he's the weakest option for me in this tier. Yeah, I think that's completely fair because I, I – you know, you, you bring up great points, and I'm thinking that I actually have to move him down then because I look and I hear you say that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I accurately um, judged his fastball in my ranking of him because then I look at the pitch values and it's like, yeah, it is crap, just like Kluber's. And I had him up at eight, and I'm looking now, and I'm like, you know what? I think I would take Verlander. I think I would take Grinky, Martinez, Strasburg, Darvish now. Of course, I would move Darvish up because I was kind of putting him in in limbo there, and I'd definitely take Severino. So I think in my updated rankings, Carrasco's going to take a big hit uh, for, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I, I really... I really do like him. One of the things I put in my notes, though, was that he has to avoid the duds if he's ever going to get that elusive sub season. And I think the the fastball factor is going to prevent that. And again, that's what I didn't give enough credence to when I put that. It's like, oh, yeah, if he could avoid the duds. But can he when your fastball is crap? Probably not. He could also keep going the trend down. I mean, he lowered his fastball total percentage by about four and a half points. And it could keep keep going down. It could continue... Going, you know, going on a downward trend and then elevating his three stellar secondary pitches, changeup, slider, curveball. So that trend could continue. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, doom for him. But as far as the other guys go, I mean, he just seems like the most questionable option to me. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's that that's a great point, and and you have definitely swayed me into uh, reassessing him. So uh, let's move on to tier three, and uh, that's Justin Verlander, pick forty-two, Zach Greinke, pick forty-eight, Chris Archer, pick fifty, Robbie Ray, fifty-one. You Darvish, 52, probably with a, a green arrow upward. I'm sure he'll bump a few spots at least uh, with, with his landing spot, which we will take the opportunity to, to talk about him in a moment. And then Carlos Martinez at pick 53. Nick, uh, we'll start with you, but but favorite this time. Who's your favorite out of this tier three group that you like to target? I actually love Zach Greinke a lot. I have him at number 10 above Carrasco um, in that second tier. Uh, and I think a lot of people forget that Zach Greinke was – a stud for a long time. And he just had this really bad 2016 season. Uh, he was injured. He, uh, he had only 158 innings pitched 437 area, et cetera. But he's had over 200 innings for three straight years. Now uh, he came back with a career high in whiff rate at 12.4%, his lowest contact rate at 70, 72.9%. And it dropped six points from the previous season and his highest K rate at 26.8%. Uh, his slider got a ton better to like, Kluber levels of 25.5% whiff rate and a 51.6% O swing. That's a super elite pitch. 
Uh, and the worst part, of course, was his home runs allowed. Uh, he had a 1.11 home run per nine, 13.4% fly ball rate, which would have been, which was about like his like fourth worst of his career, 9.8 career rate. But keep in mind, I mean, I don't expect the Diamondbacks to have the humidor. On the H word. But that's the coming. H-word. I have to it's say coming. It. it has to at some point. And I, sure, let's say he goes 1.11 home run per nine again. That should theoretically come down a little bit whenever it does show up. Oh, absolutely. Maybe so, back. I mean, even so I'm not, I'm not saying like, like make a major change based on it. But I don't really see why we should be treating Zach Greinke any different. I understand the velocity went down a little bit as well. But given how good his slider performed and theoretically fewer home runs, like why don't I want 200 innings pitch around 320 ERA again? Yeah, I think I think that that that's some great. Uh, those are some great points on Granky and and the home run piece. Yeah, we, we talk about the humidor and it's it is a little bit of a nebulous thing. Like, is it yeah, coming? Right. When's it coming? But if it does, like that is the one thing it's going to impact is, is the homers. I don't think it's going to be as as impactful as as some articles have been written. And I know uh, Dr. Alan Nathan wrote something I think last summer talking about how it could really really slice into homers of of some of their power guys and. Uh, you know, listen, that dude is, is smarter than I could ever hope to be. Uh, but it seems like the estimates are high. If I, if I recall correctly, I think there was something like 30% uh, of, of 30, 40% of, of Goldschmidt's and Lamb's home home runs. And I'm just, that seems so high. I don't think we've seen the humidor impact Coors quite that much. I'm just not sure that it's going to impact the Diamondbacks that much. But you slice off a handful of homers. Just 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 cut five off of right. uh, off of Granky's total of of 25 get me down to 20 and I'm taking that all day so it doesn't need to be some going from 1.1 back down to the 0.57 that he had in 2015 with the Dodgers I don't need that just slice a few off and I'll be happy because he already had a 320 last year with the 1.1 so Granky's a good call uh, Justin you get to do least favorite now in this tier three is there anybody out here that you're just shying away from at the at their current cost uh, you know, not really. I actually really okay. like this tier. Uh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to shy away from anyone, I'll just shy away from the most expensive guy, I guess. Which you're would, stupid. Which would be Verlander, <laughs> but I like Verlander. No, you're No, you already blew it. You I already guess blew it. it's Archer. <laughs> I mean, like Chris, there you go. Good you know, save. Good like, save. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, the numbers have not. I think we're still drafting him based on what we saw in 2015 and the ERA oh, for obviously sure. spiked the him. Promise. We're, we're, we're drafting him on promise mm-hmm. and the K's. I mean, the K's give you a floor, sure. the K's and the innings, but back-to-back four, four ERA seasons, and it's low fours, and so it's not the end of the world, but if he's your fantasy ace, which a lot right. of people are probably drafting him as, unless you're taking two pitchers in the first three rounds, that's tough, and I like Archer, but that is, that is a tough thing to say. You know what? Um, I didn't get any of the top two tiers. Let me take Archer to be my ace, and I got a guy who's got uh, that high threes, low fours the last couple years. That That's tough because I don't know that he's going to get back down You know, to, to you know, the low Especially three. without a third pitch. Like his exactly. change is just gone. That can- continues to plague him and you see it in the in the middle of these games when he gives up those extra runs he's dealing six innings two runs gets into the seventh or eighth that third time through and he gives up those two extra runs and it's not the end of the world but it, now you're now you got four runs in six and two thirds or something and, and and adds up over the course of the season and that's how you get a guy who you think can be a bona fide ace with a 402 ERA. So I, I totally get that one. And frankly, obviously, I'm joking on the Verlander bit, but uh, he is the most expensive. And he's going to be, you know, what, he's 34 this year? 
35, like that, that, that matters. I love Verlander and I, I continue to prop him. And I think he's completely reliable this year uh, to draft, but, but you are still taking a 35 year old. So I understand anybody that would have some trepidation. And if you are looking at tier three and you're just saying, well, I don't want the oldest guy at the highest cost. Let me, let me jump down to the bottom of that tier. I would understand that. Uh, so that, that's totally with, fine. The other thing with Archer too, and I mean, this may, this could change, before we finish recording this podcast, but I don't necessarily know that <laughs> it's going to. Uh, I mean, he pitches for the Rays, and hopefully Jason's not listening to this, but the, the Rays are garbage. Um, and and <laughs> Got like, him. like I'm not going to chase pitcher wins for the most part, but I feel like there's a cap to how many games Archer can win in Tampa. So, like, if he got moved, I would maybe, you know, maybe I'd slot him up a little bit higher. But, I mean, you know, he hasn't had more than 12 wins in, in his entire career and wins are a category. As much as they're really, really hard to predict, we say not to chase them in the industry. There, There is, you know, you have an added benefit. You Darvish gets a bump because he's going to Chicago as opposed to signing somewhere else where, you know, he may not have had the same win potential. And, and Chris Ar- Archer's yeah, win potential is limited. Exactly. They're difficult to predict and you don't want to chase them, but you can also set yourself up into positions where, where you feel like you're going to have a higher probability. And that totally makes sense. You know, that, that is something that does boost Verlander to kind of counteract the ages. He's going to be on uh, arguably the best team in the league. And if not one of the top three best teams, you know, however you want to put it. So that totally makes sense. Speaking of Darvish, we will use this opportunity to discuss him. He has finally landed. The Darvish has landed. He is out in Chicago, six years, 126 mil. Um, you know, the, we don't get too deep into the contracts because we don't really care, especially when we're talking about just this year anyway. So, uh, Nick, let me throw it back to you on you, Darvish. What'd you think of the contract out out to, what, what'd you think of him landing with the Cubs? And uh, does he move up your list? And, and where is he in your list, by the way? I mean, he doesn't really change too much based on this. Uh, he's at 13. He's right behind Verlander and ahead of Nola. Uh, but, uh, I mean, keep in mind that he, in the last nine games that he had with the Dodgers, he was a 30.2% K rate, 3.44 year rate with only 6.4% walk rate. Uh, and they, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the, you know, the pitch changes that he had, throw his curveball deeper in the zone, you know, cutters to lefties, all that fun stuff. I I think he gets the the playoff tax in a wrong way, like because he was so bad in the World Series, people are not drafting him as high as they should. They're not acknowledging uh, that he was great up and right. Forward. I mean, it's just like I think Justin Verlander has the tax in the other direction. Same with uh, same with Keuchel. I mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but yeah, Darvish takes a small hit from that, and I do like. I mean, I see him at fifteen here. I have him at thirteen. I think that is the reason why you see that small drop. Uh, I don't think it really changes much that he's in Wrigley. I mean, the park factor of, of L.A. versus Wrigley is pretty much the same as far as home runs go. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I like it. I mean, as you were saying, Justin, great point about the wins. It doesn't definitely helps that he's part of the Cubs. Like, you can feel secure about that, that you're not going to, you're not taking a hit because of it. So, I mean, I think it's good. I think he's going to fit in well there. And uh, he should be good Darvish again. Justin, anything different from that in terms of your, of your outlook with uh, Darvish going to the Cubs? No, as, as long as Major League Baseball doesn't make him use the same balls that he had to use in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's a really good point. I yeah, mean, we can get him a new batch. It, you know, I was just going to say, that brings up an interesting point, Not maybe not specifically to that, but just to the ball in general. We saw it uh, afflict some guys this year, and I'm wondering, like, uh, maybe we, I, sh- I should wait to talk about the, these guys when we get to them, but, like, you know, specifically I'm thinking of Cueto and Aaron Sanchez that had all these blister issues that was well, the ball was blamed on. 
well, unless we think there's a drastic change in the ball, do, should we be dinging these guys again? Or do we think that there's a uh, – Nick, for those that don't know, you were a former pitcher. Is there is there a preventative maintenance plan that even with the same ball, these guys can figure out now that they'll be better equipped to deal with it? Or are they going to run into the same sort of problems that, that they might have had last year with, with the new ball, a slicker ball, a lower-seamed ball? Right. Um, if it doesn't drastically change, if we don't get a new batch in, are these guys going to have the same sort of blister issues? Well, I mean, there's the classic pickle jar with uh, with Nolan Ryan that he would stick his hand in every single time after he started. I, I mean, generally, you like to think that calluses need to be formed. Uh, what I would say with my my co-host Alex Fass is that he wanted all pitchers to go to a base camp to learn the uh, the proper calluses that they would need to get on their index finger and middle finger. Uh, but this is something you can develop over time. I mean, we saw with Hill, he actually got 25 starts last year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not completely writing them out. I mean, there's another question to be said about is, can we just write off all of 2017 from Cueto because of the blisters? But I, but yeah, I mean, I think that during his tier for sure. <laughs> I'm very, eager but, to hear your uh, thoughts. but Sanchez himself, I think there are things that he can do to make it so that he makes, you know, over 10 starts in a season. So I'm not totally writing it off, but that is definitely a concern that this isn't something that's just like one year and going away. This will pop up again, probably if they're going to be using the same ball. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't imagine like based on what we know about how these balls are batched, you know, again, it's not something uh, that it sometimes get talked about as some sort of nefarious thing that they went in and altered the ball. These balls are within the specs that they allow. They just happen to be toward a particular end that is on the more juiced level. I, they didn't go in and alter all the machines and say, let's make it like this and and turn them into blister blister machines that uh, that leave the yard at a huge clip. It just happens to be that, hey, these still fit the specs, but they are a bit different for sure. So I, I I'm cautious about just saying, well. He dealt with this last year. It'll be fine this year. They're going to have to be smart about it, especially the guys that were most afflicted by these blisters throughout the year. And those are the two names that jumped out the most uh, with with Cueto and Aaron Sanchez. So, uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about uh, tier four here. This is Aaron Nola. Relax, Nick. <laughs> second pick 65 Shohei Otani had a very nice pick 69 uh, Jose Quintana pick 70 James Paxton pick 76 Dallas Keuchel 76 as well and Garrett Cole pick 80 uh, Justin best target to be a bona fide fantasy ace from tier 4 and I'm giving a loose definition there 180 innings of, of awesomeness and, you know, your league can kind of specify what awesomeness is. I think we all know what we what it is when we see it in terms of a fantasy ace with respect to our league. So I'll leave that open to some of the interpretation. But who do you like from tier four to actually become or, or, or sustain uh, ace level fantasy ace level status? Oh, man, this is a difficult one because I don't want to take Nick's pick, but I'm totally going to. It's, <laughs> Go it's, ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. It's all right. It's Aaron Nola. That, yeah, that'll actually be, that'll actually yeah, be very great. interesting. I mean, I, you know, even if you just do it by process of elimination, I don't trust Otani uh, or Paxton or Keuchel to go 180 innings. Exactly. Yeah, the clock so, 80 kind of eliminates them. You, ju- you just exactly. mix them. Okay, so maybe I trust Cole and Quintana. And Quintana, I mean, I guess, he, you know, he's a good pick, and I think he could do this, but uh, ultimately the, the upside is with Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola out of this group is the only person that I see that could finish the season as the number one pitcher. He's got all the skills are there. Uh, he showed health last year. 
I think he – and I think you're seeing this in his ADP because I got, you know, into discussion with Derek Cardi because he called him like a sneaky, you know, sneaky starter number one. And I was like, I, I don't think you're looking at the ADPs right now. This, this is no longer sneaky. <laughs> Everybody is, no is on right. him right now. Um, and he retracted the sneaky part. But, I mean, you're going to have to pay for it, and there is a lot of risk involved because, if you know, there's a high probability he could get hurt. But if he's healthy – uh, this is your NL Cy Young, you know, contender right here for for 2018. So I'm, I'm all aboard the Aaron Nola train. Oh, hey, welcome! It's take, great. Take, take take the floor here on on Nola. Obviously, I knew that was going to be your pick. <laughs> and uh, you know, listen, I, I love him too. I got him 16th. He added Velo, enhanced the changeup, had a had a fantastic season. If you look over uh, since 2015, minimum 300 innings, he's 16th in strikeout minus walk rate. Aaron Nola is a bona fide beast, and obviously you see more for the 25 year old righty. Talk to us about Aaron Nola. Yeah, I so what I love so much about Nola is that he's sixth highest in called strikes in all of uh, 2017 among called starters, which is something that we don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. And the way that he's able to command the corners with his two-seamer is so good. And you can compare that with his changeup. And he used it more. He got much better uh, with his feel of his changeup last season. To make it so difficult for guys, this is actually part of the reason why I like Luis Castillo as well, is because of the fastball changeup combination that makes hitters just, they don't know what's coming out of his hand. If that is a fastball or a changeup, if it's going to move more drastically or at a slower speed than the heater that they think they're timed for. Uh, and then, of course, then he has this curveball that he had about a 19% whiff rate last season. That is his strikeout machine. Uh, and then pair that with a ton of sync on everything. He keeps it low all the time, gets a ton of ground balls because of it. We contact. It's all there. Uh, and it's it's often not all there with someone that's able to also hit their spots all the time. And Nola is so good at that. He actually he had like a small rough patch last year. He went to the deal a bit and he even talked about how he uh, he changes mechanics slightly to focus more on his lower half, which is everything that's so important. And he showed that in his results. He had his amazing stretch in the middle of the season. Everyone started to realize that Nola is legit. And also he's in the NL easy, like the, the, the worst <laughs> division, um, the best typo ever made. Uh, by the by way, swapping the two to why? If we don't get some patented Nick Nick Pollock nicknames here and, and <laughs> uh, little acronyms and shit, I'm gonna be oh, man. angry. Well, I do. Uh, I'm not wearing right now. I'm wearing my can't spell win with Tillman shirt, but I do have live every day like it's Nola Day, and Love I should have been wearing that because uh, it's Christmas. Every time it pitches, it's just it's Christmas Day. So I'm a huge fan. Also, Justin, you hit it perfectly. Where it's just yeah, uh, it's it's a process of elimination here. I'm totally right with Pac, with uh, with Keuchel being. Uh, you can't depend on him for innings anymore. That's two straight seasons of, of well below 200 innings. Shohei Otani, I'm I'm not confident he's going to get a ton of innings this year, especially if he wants to hit too. And here he has an injury history. Impossible I, 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 to feel confident. Um, I don't understand. I, I've at 18. It just. I, I get the upside. I get the, but man, it, it really, uh, it just this seems wild to me. Jose Quintana, I actually kind of like. I wrote about him. I wrote a graphs, uh, talking about his adjustments with his four seamer and sinker, all of a sudden going to different sides of the plate. But Nola to me seems like the much more confident pick here, and he could. I mean, next year he could be easily top fifteen in the ADP. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I echo 
both y'all sentiments on Nola. I'm fully on board as well. And it'd be fun for all three of us to be in a league just to play chicken with <laughs> Nola and see and see just how high he'd go because that I think that'd be an interesting exercise there. Um, you know, the guy that we didn't really hit on at all was Garrett Cole, the recently dealt Garrett Cole out to Houston. And, uh, you know, I think he's got I think he's got a potential to do it as well. We've seen it before all the way back in 2015. You know, his base skills were still there last year. Twenty three percent strikeout rate, seven percent walk rate. But he was really crushed by the home run bug. And obviously leaving PNC isn't necessarily going to help that. But Minute Maid does help things a lot more than I think uh, the, per- the perception would lead people to believe. I think Crawford boxes really stick in people's brains and make them think it's a, a total ban box, and that's just not true. We talked about it at the trade that uh, it is a actually better strikeout park. Um, and, and then, of course, the question was, well, what, what does that mean? Because Derek Carty had posted that, the aforementioned Derek Carty, and it was, uh, you know, well, what do you mean it's better? For, like, how is a park better for strikeouts? And he talked about the batting eye, the altitude, uh, and just, just how everything works there in terms of getting strikeouts for pitchers. Compared to PNC Park, it's a big boost. So the the home run thing could be a little bit uh, neutral to losing some, uh, you know, to losing some effectiveness from his home park for Garrett Cole as far as home runs go. But I also don't see another 16% homer to fly ball ratio, which was easily a career high. You could have added his last two seasons, 15 and 16 together, and it would have only been 13%. So the fact that he was up to 16% is a clear outlier. That doesn't mean that it it can't stick it just means that if he gets back to the garrett cole that we're used to that will definitely come down i mean that that home run rate sticks out like a sore thumb i definitely trust houston to work with him and and best maximize him i think for years now we've been calling on him to not use his fastball as much and and he's he did cut it last year he cut seven percentage points off of it i could see them cutting it even more and get him into the low to mid 50s um and and really maximize his secondary stuff i do think that garrett cole is a nice dark horse candidate to do this in this tier four now dark horse candidate within the tier because it's not like he's cheap you're still paying for him you're still you know you're paying a top 80 pick that's not cheap uh min pick of 51 for garrett cole if, if you're interested you got to pay the freight but i think it's it's a worthy freight to pay uh, i i still believe in garrett cole that he can get back maybe not all the way to 2015 when he put up a 260 era but you give me a 320 era over over 200 innings i'm going to be very happy i sense that you don't necessarily agree mr nick pollock and i'm curious <laughs> for your thoughts on garrett cole well i mean he's been known as the king of really good uh, on my site, and uh, it's because he's never had a strikeout rate above twenty five percent. Even crazy when you when you, well, you, you think talk that, about right? his raw pitches, right? But he's lost movement on that slider. Uh, it's not near the twenty percent rate that he uh, whiff rate that it used to have in two thousand fifteen. And yeah, that the most convincing argument to me about Cole is that he is going to the Astros that will pull back on his, on his fastballs. But I just don't see the same secondary pitches that dictate to me someone that's going to be worthy of a top twenty pick. I mean. It just doesn't scream to me. He hasn't, you know, he's a 388 ERA, 426 ERA past two seasons. It's like four six, sorry, 365 in 2014 too. It's it's not like all of a sudden he had like one bad year and we're expecting a rebound from him. He no, really hasn't the outlier. 15 exactly, and yeah, I don't, I don't. Fair. I mean, I have a 31. Right, it's not like I'm just so low on him, but I don't see why we should be paying him a Quintana or Keiko, like all these guys. I'd much rather be going with them who have displayed this more recently and more consistently than than Cole. We're kind of we're paying for the upside already being there, and it's not. Well, and so also, I'm not I'm not sold here. 
also for also for the 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 base of volume you, you, you still you know 203 innings of of a 23 percent strikeout rate just under a strikeout per inning i mean that, that that still has value in the market too we talked about wins and and their viability on on the quality teams i think his 12 and 7 from the last two years stands to go up for sure uh for garrett cole so yes you are you are definitely paying you're betting on the come as they say in in, in craps for sure with Garrett Cole, but I don't think it's a completely unreasonable bet. Uh, you said you have him at 31. I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna really balk at that. I mean, I've got him at 21, but I look at the gap. You know, I look at the guys yeah, between the glob, 21, right? And yeah, look at the gap. Yeah, between 21 and 31. I'm not gonna sit there and say, well, that's outrageous. How can you right. possibly not have him there? My 21 is is me po- planting the flag, saying I believe a little bit more. Whereas I think he should probably land somewhere in between the two of us, to be quite honest. Yeah, and yet, I'm not I'm not too upset about that. Yeah. The the market says 22 though, so the market the market's definitely on the high end there. I was kind of hoping that my 21 was a little bit out there to where I could say, okay, I like him at 21, and I'm getting him at 25, 26, but that's not the case. Uh, Justin, do you have any thoughts on Garrett? And, and and him going out to Houston. Uh, I I I still uh, this is like the Chris Archer syndrome. This is we're still paying for the 2015 right. numbers. At least we're paying two rounds cheaper though. Thirty picks this, less. This is true, but I mean, I, if I'm if I'm paying for a guy with upside, I, I want him to have a little bit higher strikeout upside. And I don't love the fact that his home run rate just went through the absolute roof last year. Uh, and. No, I, I just think there's so many other guys from this tier and the one below it that I feel like at least have a higher a higher ceiling. They may have a little bit of a lower floor, but you know, I mean, I know you guys are going to go crazy over a guy in in the next uh, in the next tier, but Us? you know, yeah, over him, and, and he <laughs> does. I think he does have a lower floor, but he has a much higher ceiling. And I think you right know, with my second starting pitcher, uh, I, I, I want to. You know, hopefully I've balanced some safety with my first starting pitcher, and now I'm willing to take a shot on a home run with you know a guy like Aaron Nola, a guy like you know Alex Wood, or or your guys's guy Luis Castillo. I think one of the things that continues to nag me and and just yell in the back of my brain about Garrett Cole is a a, a mental scouting report that we got on him out in the Arizona Fall League years ago, and and let's just say it wasn't glowing, um, and and. And it was suggested that that might keep him from from ace hood, where he might be. What would you call him? The the art of very good or whatever. The the king of really the king good. Of, the king of really good. And and that rings true, based on again a scouting report I heard before he ever debuted back in twenty back in twenty twelve fall league I believe is when it was, and so I, I just kind of have that keep nagging there. I I can tell you this: <laughs> if he hadn't gotten traded. To Houston, I don't think I'd have him this high. I'm also betting a good bit in Houston's organization. Not that Pittsburgh's a bad one, but I definitely rate Houston higher in terms of uh, working with their pitchers and maximizing them. So we'll see how this one plays out. I don't know that I'm going to get overloaded in shares, but I think I'll at least have one because I I, I still see that there is some upside uh, with Garrett Cole, but I I understand the points that you guys have both made. And uh, I, I take them well, so we will can, move can on I, from. Can Garrett I ask Cole. what the scouting report was? Was it something like he doesn't have like the the killer attitude or something like He's that? He's dipshit. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and then there was something else that I can tell you guys offline, but okay. that, the bottom line is that. Right. And 
I don't know how much I buy that into pitching. I mean, I think maybe it's sometimes you want to, you know, clear your mind. I mean, Doc Ellis threw uh, a no-hitter while on LSD. I think you're talking about, like, coachability, right? Being able to adjust more. That's the thing that's the, the point here. Exactly. I do think you can be too cerebral, and I think that actually mm-hmm. impacts somebody like an archer, sure. where he's in his head too much, and when one thing goes wrong, he just – and Granky too, mm-hmm. and before he became an ace, I think Granky definitely had mental situa- – and I, obviously we know his his mental stuff with, with anxiety and whatnot, but I'm, I'm not even talking so much about that as just once one thing it. went wrong. He started overthinking, and it would snowball, and if it was an error or something that went against him, a call – watch out that's a six run inning in the making and so i I agree with you to that point but this was suggesting more of what nick was saying where it's like he's going to go with what he's got and what what got him there and he's not necessarily going to be open to here's the coaches saying this that and the other but again that was back in 2012 as a 21 year old we're now dealing with a 27 year old who has five seasons under his belt and and is has a track record of being the king of very good and if you want to get to the next level it's time to start listening to the people that that might actually know better. So I think that's we'll see. Easy, or I think that's a good thing to keep in mind, though, for people who play. And I know, I know, most people are listening to us for like redraft leagues. But like, if you're playing in a dynasty league, you know, if if that's true, a- as he ages and the skills start to deteriorate a little, you could see a much more precipitous decline. decline. Absolutely. You know, he won't mm-hmm. be the crafty veteran because he's not very crafty lose a couple velo points and your margin for error is shot and now your 426 era in a tough season is 490 and it's really tough to use you in in any fantasy league strikeouts be damned Mm -hmm. Um, so all right let's move on to tier five because we're gonna spend four hours on on luis castillo here (laughs) now first question for you nick yes are luis castillo Oh wait, 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 let me let me cover the guys first uh tier five is is uh let me see here is jake arietta pick 97, Luis Castillo pick 99, Masahiro Tanaka 101, Jose Barrios 104, Luke Weaver 111, David Price 112, Alex Wood 113, John Lester 115, and Kyle Hendricks 118. By the way, tears getting a little bit thicker as we as we jump down here, folks. That's just by design, but we're not going to have time to talk about every single guy. Uh, but first question for you, Nick. Are Luis Castillo, Luke Weaver, and Alex Wood too expensive? So uh, Luis Castillo obviously isn't. Uh, I mean, that's how higher. I feel. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I mean, I understand the floor. I understand that he's not, you know, he shouldn't, he's not a guaranteed fantasy ace. But when a guy's throwing like a max of 100 miles per hour with a changeup that gets a 22.4% whiff rate, a six inch differentiation of vertical drop, and a 10 miles per hour slower, even sometimes more than that. I mean, if you see him like 86 miles per hour, it's, and he has command of both of those down in the zone, it's unbelievable. Not to mention command. he has a slider. And he yeah. has command of it. It's absurd. He has 74, 74.1% induced ground balls with a slider as well and allowed an ISO of 23, 0 <laughs> on his slider. This is yeah, his third yeah. pitch. So, and that's across 224 thrown last year. Like, this is this is the making of an ace. It's unbelievable. Uh, and I believe in that with Castillo. That's all I'm going to say. I, that's all I need to say. I'm done with that. Well, you've written him up here at the site, at PitcherList. It's my favorite article I think I wrote for you guys. Yeah, if they need further thoughts, again, I said the picture list on Twitter. Hit hit him up. He will gladly talk to you. And he gets 280 characters a pop now, so that's great. What about Weaver and Wood? Now, Uh, I think they are slightly too expensive. 
I would. I'm a little concerned. I have this tier on the site called the Hertz tier. That is, you're not going to get much mileage out of them, and because they're hurt all the time. I mm-hmm. uh, and that's like uh, Richards, McCullers, uh, Wood, and Hill. And I'm concerned about Wood. I, I I mean, I understand he had that great start of the year for 12 starts, 1.23 year Ray, 0.81 WHIP, 31.6% K rate, etc. But his final 11 starts, his 11 starts after were much worse. 17.9% K rate. Uh, sub six uh, innings per start, 1.29 whip, 4.25 ERA. His ground ball rate dropped over 20 points from that from then, and as well as his whiff rate went down about five points as well, from 14.2 to 9.4. I uh, and his velocity dropped. It was like chilling at 93 miles per hour for a while, then it was, went down to like 91.5. Mm-hmm. I don't think that even when he does pitch, it's going to be quality innings. So. I mean, we're already balancing, like, okay, he's going to get so many innings based on other guys are going to get more. I don't even think that the innings I get from Wood are going to be ones I'm going to want to have necessarily. So, I mean, not to say that, I mean, I would like to have Alex Wood, but I'm just saying it's not the same tier as the other guys. So I'm I'm very, uh, very hesitant to go after Wood. Uh, with Weaver, I mean, I have him, like, at 32 or so. Uh, so, I mean, really? I think I, I have him. I think it's something like that. I can't remember I off think the top he, of my I, head. I, I, I think he's so expensive. I got him at 48, and I like him. I really do consider Ooh. myself a big fan. Well, but the market has just blown past me. I just... <sighs> this is this is what I see in Weaver, is that he has a really good fastball changeup combination. That mm-hmm. is, And that's a really, really good foundation to have. I generally prefer that from, from young Love pitchers. Love when a young guy has a changeup. Love because, it. Because it does speak more to their command. It speaks more to uh, their ability to kind of have a better pitch mix and a repertoire and you know I feel comfortable in at bats so then a curveball that isn't doesn't necessarily need to be great can be a lot more effective just because it's not the fastball and changeup all of a sudden it surprises them uh and there's something to be said about his whiff rates and his strikeout rates so far which have been phenomenal i oh, wait, i'm not oh, wait. S- the whiff yeah. rate hasn't though it's a 10 i'm sorry not the whiff right yeah you're totally right you're completely that's, right yeah. that, that's why i am so a little that's right. why i have a little question though because you know, you see 29% strikeout rate, love it. 10% strikeout rate. You can have a split. Like it, the, the rule of thumb is, is like double the strikeout, swinging strike rate, and that can get you kind of a a, a strikeout rate. And sure. so he's 10 percentage points or, or 8 percentage points over doubling that. What makes up that gap? Is there something that it's that... foul balls? He's really good at inducing foul balls right now. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but I, I mean, I, the way I see it is that he's not complete yet. Uh, no. I think people going into the top 30 with him are kind of are buying a little too much into him. But I, I really do think that he can develop his you know curveball more. I don't I don't see why that can't take a step forward while he has this really good foundation with with good velocity on his fastball, four seamer and changeup. It's a really good. It sets him up perfectly. And I, I think that, you know, give him a full season in the starting rotation, the Cardinals, that, that can be a very, very productive, productive starter. I mean, there are a lot of questions with the guys around this point. Uh, so I, I I think around 33 that sounds about right to me. 48 seems uh, I don't know. It seems like you're just not buying into uh, that foundation to me. Not at that level. I'm certainly not paying. I'm I'm just not paying that freight. I don't think I you know we're talking about um, like 90 career innings, uh, 36 of which were garbage. At least in terms of results, because of the hits and the home runs being through the roof, the actual base skills were still pretty good. But the same sort of deal: twenty-seven percent strikeout rate, ten percent swinging strike. 
the foul ball thing that you mentioned is very interesting, though, and that definitely can b- bridge that gap. It's, and not, so I, it's not something I totally buy into, but it's like it does explain it a little bit. I don't know how repeatable that is. That's the biggest well, question. It's, it's interesting using that as a positive, too, because I remember in Verlander's younger days and even some of the struggles that he had um, in recent years before turning right. it around Last in those seasons like was too many foul balls that batters stay alive and counts and eventually get to him. Pitch nine, pitch 10, pitch 11 in the that bat after you foul five, six off, um, you know, it's not so much that he just gets frustrated and pipes one. It's just that, well, now you're on, you're on the 96 and Verlander can tend to be like, I'm just going to beat you with this fastball and they'll throw it six times in a row. And then, and then you'll get him after the, after five foul balls. So I see it using as a, as a positive, but then I'm wondering, is it also a negative to keep guys alive? I don't know. I think we've just seen 60 good innings and I, I'm a little bit skeptical on it. Despite when I came away from Arizona fall league, fall league, I loved, uh, Luke Weaver, and now I just see this price being sky high. I mean, keep Listen, in mind, though, 97 innings of about 28% K rate and 7% walk rate. That's what we've mm-hmm. seen so far. That's really impressive. But also 10 hits per nine and 1.3. And it's not like, I mean, the BABIP is high, but it was high both times, too. So at some point, he's contributing to that. And I'm wondering, is is the and I, one thing I do like, 31% ground ball rate in 16, up to 49% last year. But is the infield defense in place to take advantage of it, and 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 turn those turn those ground balls into outs? Might he almost actually be better with a fly ball rate and let the outfield defense with Tommy Pham, Marcelo Zuna, and Dexter Fowler? I think that's that what you'll see. Now. I mean, I think so. The fastball change of generally does dictate more of a fly ball pitcher than 27% mm-hmm. last year. So I think over time that will happen. But then the homers come back into question. And it was from 1.7 to 1.0. Well, I mean, I think I think if you're getting more fly balls, I think that generally does come with, you know, I mean, it, it just dictates, you know, how your pitches are being received, right? How they're how they're looking out of your hand. So if, he do, if you do see a rise in fly balls, I don't think that also means necessarily he'll keep the same 16.3% home run per fly ball rate. That's that's fair too, but you don't need as high of a rate to have homers if you're allowing right, more right. fly balls. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so, just, I'm just saying 1.04 sounds consistent even if he does increase his fly ball rate. That um, and that'd be that'd be interesting. I listen, I'm clearly not sold to the level that the market or, or you are Justin, where are you at on, on Luke Weaver before I ask you the the more general question about that about that whole group? Um, closer to you. I, I don't like the track record. I only think he has two pitches right now, and that that is a bit concerning to me. Uh, it's it's a really tough division offensively, um, and I just, for me, I just think there are so many more established guys in in this tier and in the next tier that I'd prefer. And so I'll let someone else take the gamble on a Luke Weaver, and I'll get mm-hmm. a little bit more safety. I just. I, yeah, I'm not buying. I it. will fair. say, I will say, uh, at 48, he's firmly in the glob, and I don't want. I'm not going to get too hung up on the number, because at that point, um, I'm not going to balk at anybody saying, "Well, Paul, you have Taiwan Walker at 33, and and Luke Weaver at 48. Like, um, they're not that different." I'd be like, "Yeah, you're right. Like, they're 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 really not uh, all that different." And that's 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 the thing with the glob. But I'm I'm staking my claim to Walker over Weaver in this instance. Um, Justin, what's Jake Arrieta's outlook? Obviously, he doesn't have a team right now, but let's just say he goes to a neutral, you know, a neutral place. Nothing that's going to drastically impact him one way or another with a home ballpark. Where do you stand on on Jake Arrieta as we go into twenty seventeen? Uh, yeah, twenty eighteen. Excuse me. As long as he doesn't go to Milwaukee, 
I'm actually on board, especially at the price. I think you're getting a little bit of a discount. Um, you know, I mean, the, the the underlying metrics at points are a little bit scary, and he is getting older. This is a guy who struggled with injury early on in his career. But I just think you're getting such a nice discount. I mean, this was a guy going in the top 10 and starting pitchers last year, now going 23rd overall. I, I just think that is such a nice discount. He's worth the the gamble because we've seen in you know in recent years him be that ace of uh, of your team. And so for me, like especially if I've got a little bit of safety up top, I think he's like the perfect like if I go with a pitcher in the first round, if I you know get my uh, sale or or my Strasburg. Like and I can now wait until I pull Arietta as my second pitcher. I'm feeling really, really strong on that. I, you know, to me the park does matter though. I, I don't want to see For him, sure. you know, especially with the home run rates, you know, having you know virtually doubled the last two years. Um, I, I don't yeah, want to see from him fifteen in, to sixteen, and then again from sixteen to seventeen. Yeah, so I, I don't want to see him in Milwaukee. If he ends up in Milwaukee, I'm I'm running the other direction. Um, but like, if he ends up in a place like Minnesota, I would like that, uh, especially going over to a new league where hitters haven't seen him before. I think that would make a huge difference for him. Um, I, I like that the strikeout rate, you know, didn't drop again after after dropping in 2016. I like that he cut his walks. It, for me, it's the homers, and so like the park really does matter. And so until I know where he's going to go, I'm not going to touch him. I'm going to wait till he signs. I think that's fair. I... <laughs> You know, I know we're two years removed from that amazing 2015 season, but he's so clearly not that guy anymore. I, I really don't trust Jake Arrieta at all. But he's getting and penalized for that. Like, I mean, I understand he's not that guy anymore, but he like, should be. It's being reflected in the price, so it's actually not a bad price considering. I don't think it's being fully reflected though. Twenty third, I, I, I don't think. I think he's. I think he's below that still. When you talk about plus, here's another factor. You talk about the park factor. I think the defensive factor is almost bigger mm. because. The, that Chicago defense uh, really protected that ERA last year to keep it at 3.53. An average or worse defense, I think, we're much closer to his 4.16 FIP at that point. And and so where he goes, what kind of infield defense they have, uh, or outfield, because he did go down to 45% ground ball rate. So maybe if he did kind of lean more towards fly balls, talk about Minnesota, they've got a good outfield defense, mm-hmm. especially with Byron Buxton out there. But if he does get back into the 50s with his ground ball rate and it's not a quality infield defense, I do worry about Jake Arrieta. Plus, he didn't drop his strikeout rate all that much. One point, that's negligible, 24 to 23%. But he did go from 10.5 to 8 points. He dropped two percentage points off of his swinging strike rate. So I'm just nervous. I, I called him a high-end hot potato, and I just don't want to be left holding him. Like, I understand that 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 there is a quality there. There's a, there's a certain level of quality. But you're talking about 160 to 175 innings at the high end, I believe. And I think when it goes, it's it's really going to go. This guy never had a healthy track record. Um I, you know, he's Carlos Carrasco in terms of health. He has one year over the 200. He does have an elite season, like an, an, an all-time elite season with that 2015 second half. But there's just no way I'm trusting this guy regardless of landing spot. But I'm curious on Nick's thoughts on Jake Arrieta. I mean, it all comes back to his mechanics, even the injuries and his performance. Uh, Jake Arrieta has some of the most interesting mechanics you'll find. Uh, which is where he closes himself off. That is like yeah, his landing foot, instead of going straight towards home plate, is going towards home. Uh, sorry, not towards home, towards uh, third base. Um, we actually have seen this with Adam Adovino as well. It's a, very, it's a popular thing where it will add more movement and deception to your pitches at the cost of two things. One, command. And two, 
you're more injury prone because you're throwing across your body and putting more stress on your arm. So I don't think the injury problem really is going to go away. And as we saw in 2015, he was feeling it. I mean, this is a legitimately a situation of is he going to feel it or not? Because it's it's so much more of a we have to scrutinize it so much more when he has those kind of mechanics because some days he's just not going to feel the timing as you're going to cross with your arm. That is, you're 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 you have to release the ball at a certain point when you go from you know from the two o'clock to the seven o'clock, as opposed to most guys when they're going towards home, they're stepping towards home. It's a lot easier to make that adjustment going inside or outside. And we saw this through his slider. His slider would accumulate p valves of fifteen plus or. 23.5 in previous years. He's lost the feel of it completely. He had a zero in 2016. Eval is, is pitcher value. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yes. Uh, so it was a negative 9.7. It was just he couldn't throw for strikes anymore. He couldn't put it where he wanted to. And when he did throw over the plate, batters were hitting it easily for 276 of an average. I mean, it, it that was the it was the definition of what made Arietta so unhittable. Because out of his arm, you didn't know that was going to be a two-simmer going one way or a slider that was going to go down to your ankles. And he's lost that feel completely. It, it's just gone. And, and the thing is that he has other pitches. Like his curveball is good. His changeup's good. And I think at times last year when he had success was when he was pulling away from his slider. He actually reduced it dramatically. Uh, you know, Back in the day, he was something like 30% of the time. He only threw about 14% of the time last season. And without that pitch, he's not going to be 2015 Arietta. He just isn't. So unless he gets that feel back in spring training, I really do not see that upside of 2015 coming back at all. If anything, he could even keep going down as his feel gets worse and worse over the years. So I, I'm not sold that this is going to be a, a, a good rebound for Arietta is ahead. At the same time, 2017 is still productive. You know, 353 sure. ERA, 122 whip. Uh, it's just, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of going after Arietta, especially if I'm thinking that I can return to that top 15 upside again. Yeah. The funny thing is, is, um, you put him at 23, I put him at 26. We have this negative outlook and yet we still right. have him high. That's why I call him a high end hot potato. Sure. I, I wonder if maybe, uh, to call both of us out that maybe our rankings are disingenuous because we would never draft him at that particular spot. Well, I mean, yeah, it, 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 at the same time, like he, I don't know. I mean, I think there is still upside for him to get some of the field back. And again, as I'm mentioning, I actually originally had him at 30 or so. But then I realized even with this bad season, 353 area rate, 122 whip and 23.1% K rate. That's still good. It's not like he was Garrett Cole levels of bad, you know, so well, I, I, I still felt wait, wait, that. Wait. Yeah. What, what's the difference so, between their two seasons last year? Uh, about uh, 60 points in ERA. What about in base skill? Because in ERA, because you know that you can't just bet on the ERA. That could be oh, like of course. Defense. That's right. I mean, I do also. It goes into the base skill of Arietta maybe getting that feel back that I trust more with Garrett Cole. Okay, that 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 part's fair because if you look at the FIP four hundred eight for for Cole four sixteen for Arietta, and I know FIPs right. I mean, there's more. Right. I never use it as such, but they were the same pitcher last year. And uh, Garrett Cole's health record is is much stronger, and he's five years younger. So I have a hard time in any scenario taking Arietta over Garrett Cole personally. I think they had the same season at least. All right, that's fair. All right, well that's 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 one part of tier five. Now the next part of tier five is uh, is this age part here. Who's the best veteran pick, Nick, between Masahiro Tanaka, David Price, and John Lester? 
Who's a better veteran pick? Yeah, who's your favorite veteran pick out of those three? I mean, easily David Price. It's I actually have him at 16. I I think I that this idea... I, was I like it. No, I, I I dig it. I got him at 20. I dig it. I dig it. I, I don't know that I can. Well, maybe I can because I'm talking about bumping down Archer and Carrasco. So maybe I can get him all the way up there. I, I respect it. I respect. I have it I have Price. I think one spot higher than Archer personally. I the thing is that David Price is now getting tagged as this massive injury prone guy. When he had six of six of seven years prior to 2017, were 200 plus innings pitched, and the one season that wasn't, it was 186.2 in 2014. Uh, he also came back last year and was throwing 94.9 mile per hour. Zeus as a reliever, he was killing it. And oh, right, and I don't think that this is just going to carry over. I think he had his injury. Okay. And now he's back. And I know 2016 also wasn't the ideal season. I will throw in some of the mental stuff that we're talking about before with Cole. Uh, We call it Alex Think Fast, uh, where you want to think about what they're going through. And I do think that Boston and David Price wasn't a good feel initially. I think the third season... <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not going to put I'm not going to put so much weight into it, but I will say that okay, I don't expect the 3.9 year right again, and I, I call him a tiara that is someone who can turn it around right away. Where even if he has some struggles, oh I got think yes, that this is what I'm talking about, folks. These are the acronyms <laughs> I need, dog. If you, I mean, Tanaka's to, like that too. <laughs> if you listen to his his podcast, what's it called? The Inside Corner. Uh, on the corner. On the corner. On the corner. So I, I listen to it. I don't, just because I don't know the name doesn't mean I don't listen to it every dang week. You put it out. Um, but these these nicknames and these acronyms. Say that again. A tiara. A tiara. A tiara. That is turn it around right away. I love it, dude. I so it's like Birdlander last year, Tanaka last year. They're going through the struggles, but you couldn't release them because at any point they could just come back and do great things. Exactly. You you, you absolutely could not. And you mentioned Tanaka, and, and he would be my pick in this in this group. But uh, I, I really think that Price could turn up and give you a 3.3 year race season and, and kill with 200 plus innings. Like I don't think that is so far away. It's not out of bounds to say that he could go sub three. You're not projecting it, but, right? But no, yeah. no one will be surprised. I, so I I talked him up on SiriusXM, and then the, the Sirius XM account tweeted out that you know Paul Spore is buying back in on David Price, and someone like wrote back to me, "Oh, I don't buy it." And their main thing was AL East. I'm like, where the hell did he pitch for his yeah, right? entire career? One <laughs> and a half years in Texas or in Detroit is it. Other than that, he's lived there, and now he doesn't have to face Boston. What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought that was just an interesting counter to to David Price. But uh, anyway, Justin, of these veterans, Tanaka, Price, Lester, who's your favorite pick out of that out of that trio? I don't want to have anything to do with any of them. I mean, okay. Wow. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I and I love Both the skills us. that Price has and, and showed last year coming back. I, I don't buy the health of it. And I, I know he was a really, really healthy pitcher before getting injured, but he's still so- – who do you take then? You don't take you don't take the young guys that haven't proven it. You don't take the, the older guys' with track record. Who I want, the hell? I want draft? the whole like we're Just gonna get Andrew to the Miller next... and Patances is all get... over. You want the you want the super discount guys, don't you? I, I, we're gonna talk about the next tier, and I or actually probably the next two tiers, and I'm gonna take. Everybody. We're not in the tiers that you pick. Okay, okay, yeah, that's I fair mean... enough. Then you don't have to expound. On, if you don't want those oldies, I get it. Uh, I like Alex us... Woods, which you know seems counterintuitive, but uh, I mean it does kind of. I will admit that. Well, it, here here's the difference is. David's mm-hmm. Price's max pick is 139. 
So, like, you know, his range of outcomes in a draft is really, really small. Whereas Alex Wood's max pick, 184. Like, he, there are drafts he's got 100 where he's, pick different. Yeah. He, yeah, there are drafts where he is really, really going to drop. You're just not seeing that from David Price. There's still I'm in so those much. Drafts. Yeah. Well, and, well here's and that's the, difference. the problem. Like, I, I'm There's only be one in drafts difference, with though. you all year. David Price is good at pitching, and Alex Wood is how Alex Wood. How, that's how, the how, only difference. How, how, Other than that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just not an Alex well, and I, I think you Nobody should said be, though, anything about like, Lester, Alex Wood is like, like, and I know he tailed off towards the end of the year, but he was also a guy, you know, the previous season only had 60 innings pitched. I mean, he got tired, you know, and it showed. Uh, and I think, you know, another year. Why wouldn't start, he again? Well, because he's. And they'll make up, him a four inning pitcher. No, because he's, he's built up innings now, you know. He's getting back well, to I, I'm not was. sure that that matters with the Dodgers, though. I think yeah. that, like, yeah. they'll go four or five innings. Like, they don't care. And that's. Dodgeritis. That worries me about like the wins, even on a good team. They 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 complicate our little uh, notion about hey they're on a good team. Let's get those dubs because they'll pull a Rich Hill. They'll pull an Alex Wood after four. Not it's not every time. I'm not saying he's not going to gain wins or anything. And I I overstate my my dislike of Wood a little bit. I think it's because when I finally bought in is when he pooped everywhere. Yeah, like in the now, I'm like now, you know what? There's velocity change. There's pitch improvements. This is pretty damn good. And then he's like. Everywhere, and I'm like, okay, Alex Wood, I'm done with you, dog. You're so only Justin's defense, uh, he uh, did have a six plus IPS that is innings yeah, per start in only, his first he, twelve starts. He only yeah. had he only had one start going with deep. less than five innings after April 21st. No, I mean, he he was he was going deep. He had he had a great season last year. He re- even with the crap, um, the, 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 <laughs> I cannot deny that. But uh, I've I've never trusted him, and then like I said, I finally did, and it burnt me. So it's my bias. It's my bias. I well, absolutely. I'm, so I'm sure bi- I'm biased the other way around because I bought in really really cheap prior to the season last year, and I won a bunch of leagues on on his back and on his shoulder. Um, and so maybe I'm going a little bit too far the other way. For me, I just see the discount in a lot of drafts that you don't see with guys like Arietta, with guys like David Price, where their max picks are 132, 139, Luis Castillo 127, like. There's no discount in any draft, and so like I'm missing out on all these guys, and so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going after Alex Wood, even like John Lester, like you know you're gonna get to her in a sec. Like Max I was gonna say no, one forty eight. I mean that's like, yeah one one sentence about Lester. Go ahead, and then I'll I'll get yours from get, get yours, Nick. Just one sentence about him since we didn't say anything about him. Uh, can't throw to first. I mean, <laughs> like that's got him, <laughs> got him. Uh, Nick, one sentence about John Lester. Lost 1.5, ticks off his fastball, 1.5 inches off his curveball. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that was two sentences, but all right. Well, no, it was, was a comma. It was, a, and, it was either a and. comma or a semicolon. I mean, I yeah. I accept it. Judges? Ding, ding. Okay, as, as your editor cool. for, for, the, for the player caps, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I didn't get Lester. I don't think I did. Uh, <laughs> by the way, nobody mentioned Kyle Hendricks either. Did you know? For a reason. Oh, yeah. he, I, I hate him the most in this tier. I hate him the most in this tier as well. MLB Network, the shredder, made him a top 10 starting pitcher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I punted my TV. I don't have a TV anymore. I punted it. I have a broken foot, but I just punted my TV. That is absurd. I'm sorry. He throws 85. I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. He's nowhere near an MLB top 10 pitcher. That is especially because it's for this year. So you can talk about what he's done in the past, and that obviously factors in. But for Kyle Hendricks, like it's about projecting forward. It's like, what's this next six months going to be? There's no universe where he's a top ten pitcher. I'm sorry, that's it. I'm going to say it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Let's move on to tier six, 
And in that tier, we have Rich Hill, 125, Zach Godley, 130, Marcus Stroman, 132, Jeff Samarjo, 134, Sonny Gray, 139, Trevor Bauer, 144, Lance McCullers, 149, Johnny Cueto, 151, and Gio Gonzalez, 152, or 153, doesn't really matter. Um, Each of you get to pick a favorite and a must-avoid. Justin, we'll start with you. Who's your favorite in Tier 6, and who are you running away from? Hmm. Well, I mean, favorite's pretty easy. Uh, It's Garrett Richards. I've been a Garrett Richards guy for a long time. Uh, like he for me. Garrett Richards is in the next tier. Oh, wait, shoot. Uh, no, uh, sorry. <laughs> Just like Eno's still here, yeah. jumping ahead on the list. <laughs> Nothing's changed. All right, all right, all right. Sorry, my bad. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> Jeff Samarja. I met him this week. He, I was about because when you said my favorite's easy, I'm like, yeah, because he gave you an yeah, autograph. He gave me like three autographs. He, he autographed two balls and a and a and a playing card for me and my kid as he was walking out the. Uh, the players uh, uh, exit uh, that I snuck in through. Um, so uh, yeah, Jeff Samarja for me, I mean, he, he's a guy, he's going to get a ton of innings, which is super valuable, especially in today's game where like you guys mentioned, we're, we're seeing these pitchers getting pulled after five innings all the time. And, and, you know, before they get three, uh, three times through the lineup, he's got 200 innings in each of the last five seasons. The underlying numbers for last year are a lot better than the, the, the surface stats. He got killed in Colorado a couple times. Uh, that really inflated his home run uh, totals. So I think he's going to have a bounce back, uh, and we're looking at this guy as a potential top 20, top 15 starter next year. I think he's going way too low and not getting enough credit for what he did. Um, a guy to avoid uh who gosh uh geo gonzalez i mean like yes is, is he like the anti jeff samarja just <laughs> you know instead of getting extremely unlucky like samarja got extremely lucky last year uh i think he's one of those guys that we still remember the upside we thought about him in oakland and last year the the, the surface numbers looked so good that people are like well he finally reached his potential just really late you know, much later in his career than we thought he would. No, he didn't. He's he's going to be garbage. He's going to get batted around, even in the NLEZ, as Nick would call it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm out on Gio Gonzalez. You know, one thing, like, I'm kind of surprised that the market is, is has got him at pitcher 40. That really did surprise me. I thought I thought the market would, would be what I, I consider more appropriate. I have, obviously not because I say it's automatically more appropriate. But I got him ranked 55, and I thought he would be around there. And I'm like, I'm buying at that price, but it – Pick 40. I'm really not. I will say this, though. Something you said about other guys and their range. His range is pretty substantial from 110 to 201. And so I think the three of us, um, because, you know, we probably play in in tougher leagues, you know, sharkier type pools. I think it's going to be closer to that 201 than the 110, which does bring him at least back into some consideration if he is past that that SP 50, because uh, 201. Uh, would be would be pitch fi- pitcher fifty on the dot right now. So um, you know if if Gio Gonzalez is there, it's at least in play. But other than that, I, I I agree with your general points about him at pitcher forty. No way you're paying you're paying a full freight there. You're paying tax. You're pay, you know you're not exactly paying a hundred percent for the two ninety eight or whatever he had last year. But you're you're paying pretty substantial. So that that surprised me to see that since February first. He's pitcher forty, starting pitcher forty off the board. Gio Gonzalez, uh, Nick, someone you love in tier six, someone you're saying hell no to. Sure. Uh, really quickly on Jeff Samarzja, uh, I love that pick from you, Justin. 
Uh, I call him Loose Lips because he sinks ships, and also it's like the most ineffective Jaws or Shark you can think of. That's he's really with funny. Loose lips. Um, but he's upgraded to braces because he actually was someone you want that supported you. Uh, now, this is what this is why you're on. This is what I wanted, folks. This is what I was asking for earlier. By the way, I'm I'm reading your um, your rundown on him, and you basically agree with Justin, and I agree with. Like, I love Samarja, and I got you know comments in in my top 100, like. Did, oh, you accidentally put Jeff Samarja 24th. I'm like, snitch? No, I nope. didn't. That's exactly where he so, belonged. There is one thing, though, that bothers me so much about him. And uh, like I, I think I was talking about this with you in Austin, Spore, which was about his eye. Uh, yeah, he looks like a pirate. Well, definitely. <laughs> uh, but no, no, it's it's okay. So it's his approach. Like, it used to be back in the day that he had the much higher K rate, and it came with a walk rate because of how he used a splitter. Because his sexy splitter, which I, right. I fell in love with so, in Chicago. So here's the thing, though. Right now, he's using it inside the zone 40.7% of the time, which is mm-hmm. absurd to me. Because he has a sinker that went from 51.8% zone rate to 57.5%. And I think what happened is because he's throwing it so much more confidently inside the zone, guys are teeing off of it more. And what they need is a splitter to go out of the zone. So that they can't do that. But instead, he's throwing it inside the zone a ton at 40.7% of the time. And this is a pitch that you know has a 19.8% career whiff rate. Just throw that like 30% just underneath the, the zone a bit. And you, you'll be able to keep that same low walk rate while having you know fewer home runs. Because they can't sit on the fastball. Or if it's a splitter inside the zone, they can make that adjustment and make contact still. And perhaps even more strikeouts than right. the, than the 8.9 that we saw last year. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree. Like you said, we did talk about that when we were having lunch when you were in town. And it's like, oh, dude, it's it's close. It's there. We're all seeing it and we're all liking it. And you mentioned, Justin, about how, you know, he got blasted in Colorado sometimes. I like to go through game logs and look at stuff. And then, you know, you can't just eliminate every bad start and say, well, he would have done this. But you can eliminate the ones that you would have reasonably yeah. avoided. And right. anybody that that curates their starts and does does stream pitchers would have definitely taken him out for Colorado starts where he gave up seven and eight earned runs. So I think you can feasibly take off 15 earned runs in 11 and the third innings and get a more accurate representation now, of what most people would have gotten from Samarja. To be a little fair with that, he also had at San Diego, at Chicago White Sox, and at Mets, where he combined you know, six earned runs, seven earned runs, and six earned Ex- runs. Exactly. That's why you so can't take those off. Right. You right, right, right. Good, good. Those. Yeah. Because right. th- that's not fair. You, No one would have done that. No one would say, you know what? I'm not going to start him at San Diego coming off the All-Star break. Hell yeah, you would have. You probably love that. You probably use that in DFS for all one hundred dollar right. entries. You know, like that. You cannot take those off. But the ones that you would reasonably get rid of at Colorado, um, you know, maybe against high powered teams like at New York Yankees, stuff like that. I will, I will allow that when people are talking about going through a game log. But you can't just pluck all the six earned run ones and say. Yeah, we would have avoided those because it, exactly. it's just not true. But uh, yeah, we we all like Samarja, so enough with that gush fest. Um, <laughs> well, who, okay, who so running from. I mean, I love Zach Godley. Uh, I, I even yeah. tried to get him from Brad Johnson, and he refused to sell him to me in the Auto No League. I Zach Godley last year, as far as X stats go, I'm not talking about too much today, but he he induced a dribbler rate that is pretty much essentially. Just outs with uh, yeah, a yeah. sub zero percent launch angle. Sorry, zero degree launch angle. Rather, he had that forty seven percent of the time of his batted balls, which is absurdly high. 
And now he pairs that with a curveball that had a 21.7% whiff rate and a 50% O swing. Uh, at a 155 batting average allowed. That right there, just those two pitches paired with a cutter that's very effective inside the zone, but you know, gets a good whiff rate on that too. He has this really good repertoire. And then, of course, yeah, there's this changeup that he needs to throw a little bit more than you know 18% of the time in the zone, but it's a really effective pitch, and he could develop that further too. I think you have the makings of an ace here in Zach Godley. He increases velocity a bit last year as well. I wouldn't even say the H word. He doesn't even need it. Doesn't even need it. But if he gets even it, need holy it. crap. Right. So, I mean, he has the 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 whiff ability. He has a weak contact in there. The only question is just minimizing that walk rate, which is a question. I'm not saying that will happen. I think he could. I mean, if he just gets more confidence throwing sinkers inside the zone, I think he induces enough weak contact that he can get away with that. So I, I really think that Zach Ali's, you know, full season rotation, he can easily form into easily your number two. It's part confidence and part nastiness, though, too. I think sometimes he has trouble commanding it just because of its sure. movement. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure. We're not saying he's going to put up a 5% walk rate, but you cut you cut a 9% down to 7%, and it can it can speak volumes, especially if he does jump the innings because he should get a full season. And you're talking about 190-plus innings. Cutting a couple percentage points off can mean a lot of difference. Gets great ground ball rate. Like you said, doesn't even need the H word, but if the humidor does come through, it can only help. And so I, I'm with you. I love Zach Godley. And in fact, uh, I major applause to you for putting him 21 because I definitely thought I was on the high end uh, staking my claim at 35. The market's like, no, you're you're a wuss. You put him at 33 and Nick Pollock over here put him at 21. So, hey, hats off. You got to have some I, fun, Spore. You got to do it, I, especially I with 13.3% whiff rate overall. Come on. It, have it, fun. It, it's absolutely nasty. I, I I do love it. I try not to just go a thousand percent off last year, though. So I try to temper myself. I that's fair. I got that's buckets fair. of cold water sitting next to my desk that I just pour over myself when I'm looking at Luis Castillo and Masahiro <laughs> Tanaka and freaking um, Garrett Richards player pages. I I got to be careful. So maybe I maybe I've gone too much with the cold I get water, it. but I respect I get it. it. So who who are you saying uh, heck no to? Well, I was gonna say Gio Gonzalez, but Justin's too awesome. So I. Uh, no, no. Well, he 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 said everything that uh, that I was going to say about him. He also lost the ticket velocity as well across the board. I uh, but uh, I mean I, th- I guess this is the time we talk about Johnny Cueto and the blisters. How dare you? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's, <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts. How I, dare I? <laughs> yeah, because I'm 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 with I'm with uh, Justin on that. I don't know how dare you? Because I, I I still like Cueto, but like we said earlier, you can't just say that the blisters are going to disappear. So unless there's a preventative maintenance plan in case the ball is the same and, and doing the same sort of hands. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the voice of salute? Well, Can you get a designated peer? I mean, okay, here's the question I have to ask though, right? I mean, he's still at 25 starts and I, uh, even in those 25, like those 25 starts are really bad with everything. His changeup had only allowed one home run the previous season and about a 550 thrown. And then he allowed 10 in under 500 throw in the previous season. His slider zone rate was about 50%, but 43.9. It dropped up 40% without the, the O swing increase that you want to see. It was only 0.3 points. All right. That's not even enough to cover my Costco membership. Uh, <laughs> okay. It was – everything was just worse. His sinker couldn't find the plate. And when it did, he allowed a 364 batting average. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I understand blaming blisters for this. I get it, but he still had. You know, he could have hit the DL at a different point. He still had enough of a volume that I need to consider this being more than just a blister problem. Uh, I don't absolutely hate Cueto. I think it's a good upside pick if he falls, but I think this is too high for him. This is not the price that I'm willing to take him at. And as you were saying before, too, the blisters could stick around. 
True. It doesn't have to just be blisters, though. It could still be the ball impacting him. But again, that, that right. would then be something he has to adjust to. Um, so again, even saying that doesn't absolve him if we have the same ball. So there are those concerns with Cueto. I just I am willing to write off more of it maybe than you um, to that and, and that he will at least have a, a preventative plan in place if the blisters do stick um, sure. or, or, or figure something out to that degree. And we look at the such a strong track record that I'm willing to bet on a rebound because I do think that the discount is there. If, you get, if you're giving it to me at pitcher 39, pick 150, I think that's enough discount built in with the concerns, valid concerns that you bring up because he did still put up nearly 150 innings of non-quality, you know, is it 449 fit, 452 ERA, like he earned what he put up. Right. But the discount's there, so I'm not going to over-penalize him for that. I have him at 44. It's not like it's so different. Sure, uh, sure. I've got him much higher. And Gio, Gio, for me, you have him at 55, I have him at 54. He's easily my pick of the most hated in this tier. I, I, I'm I stunned that the market – I thought the market yeah. was smarter than that. I really did, um, especially NFBC being a sharp market. Like, And I don't even hate Gio. I like Gio just like in general because he's a cool guy. Right. And, uh, you know, of course, there's no cool points in fantasy leagues, but I'm just like, you know, I like Gio. So I'm willing to investigate this and see where his price is. And if he's in the 50s or 60s, I'm, I'll, I'll take a shot. 40? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I was actually uh, Justin, really upset at the end of last year because he allowed 21 runs in his last five starts. And I was looking forward to this market being even more divisive. That would have been if he had like nuts. carried it all the way and you're talking like a 230 ERA right he's going as like a top 20 pitcher or something uh Justin I'll allow you to retort on uh Johnny Cueto I mean I think what you said is is it I mean I, I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that we he had a blister issue that it threw off uh, his feel for his pitches it threw off his timing because he's a guy that likes to change up his timing a lot and he couldn't do it as much because he couldn't you know he didn't feel like he had really good uh, feel for his pitches, so he had to try to, you know, kind of time things more succinctly uh, than he usually would that he, that he throws off hitters with. So, um, plus, I, you know, I think one of the things we haven't talked about yet in terms of the Giants is how much they've improved their defense. You know, they oh, all, substantially. They already had a gold glover at shortstop in Crawford, but getting the worst center fielder off of their team in Denard's span uh, is going to make a big difference. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Austin Jackson isn't like a like you know, a Gold Glove or anything, but compared he can to be Denard, pretty darn good. Yeah, though. To, compared to Denard Span, he is um, exactly. And, and getting to move Hunter Pence over to left and putting McCutcheon out and right, adding Longoria at third, not having to play Pablo Sandoval. I think a lot of these things are going to benefit uh, Cueto. And as long as the blisters don't pop up again, and that is a big if, and that's why you're seeing him go where he's going. Uh, I think he is a, a nice bounce back candidate uh, and a guy that, especially if you have some safety already in your rotation, you could definitely take a shot on, uh, and he could be back to a top twenty pitcher. Yeah, that's a Agreed. great point. And and mind you, uh, Nick isn't saying that he hates him. He's got him a few picks lower. No. Justin and I are just saying we would take him earlier. Like we we like him more. Whereas Nick's more of like, well, no, this is the market, and I I I tend to agree with that. So that that that's the that's the way I read it. Yeah, uh, so we're ready good. for. We're ready for tier seven, and um, the next few tiers are going to be similar, where it's going to just be a favorite and a least favorite. So, Nick, we'll start with you here. Um, in tier seven, we've got Danny Salazar, pick 165, Chase Anderson, 175, Garrett Richards, also 175, Morton, 177, Danny Duffy, 179, Drew Pomeranz, 180, Michael Fulmer, 188, Dylan Bundy, 190, Jamison Tyone, 194, 
And we'll skip an Urban Santana 200 because he's not, <laughs> first off, he's not going to stay there. It has nothing to do with our He obviously our debate. belongs in the first tier. But yeah, he's obviously tier one <laughs> for one. But nevertheless, um, his price is going to continue to go down because he's out you know, for two months. And it's just not something that, especially in NFBC, like as, as much as I was, you know, backing him in our discussion, I wouldn't take him in NFBC because they don't have a DL. So you only have seven reserve spots and I'm not going to waste a reserve spot on somebody that is going to be missing two months. And my, my, my biggest point of contention with him was the uh, stable volume. And I'm already missing that. And I don't know what he's gonna be like when he comes back. So we'll remove him from, from consideration here. And if you want to find any thoughts that, that at least uh, Nick and I have on him. Please see our Twitter. Expansive. <laughs> oh, that was a fun no. time. I'm <laughs> really disappointed. We're not going to talk about it more. No. I, <laughs> yeah. Let's focus on the, the the other nine guys here and uh, give me your favorite and your runaway. Well, I like a lot of these. I mean, I like Jameson Tyone a lot. Uh, a I like I, I like Garrett Richards. Like you said, Justin, I'm going to let you have that one. I love Chase Anderson. I think he's very love much undervalued. Anderson. But I think the person that I am definitely higher on than others is Michael Fulmer. I knew it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Fulmer, I I totally understand all of the critiques on him. Uh, But I I will say that there are a lot of people putting a lot of stock into his injury. And it's just not – it's not warranted. Uh, Andrew Perpetua mentioned this perfectly, saying that the surgery that he had was the same one as Jacob deGrom. Mm -hmm. And it's just a correction in human evolution. Uh, instead of your nerve being on the outside, it's now on the inside and it's protected. And just is going to make things better. He was having uh, – his fingers are getting numb. Numb, yeah. And that actually speaks so much because his changeup was the pitch that made him really good in 2016. Towards his mm-hmm. rookie uh, rookie of the year honors, he got a really good feel for his changeup. And that was everything. And then he lost that last year, which is obvious because, of course, when your fingers are going numb, you're not going to have a good feel for your changeup. Uh, he also had a 65.6% lockdown base rate that I think is going to improve. And his IPS, as innings per start, 6.5 plus last year. Uh, and uh, I think that he can hint. I know it was like 17% K rate last year. I think with his slider and his changeup, it's, it's, I really there. do think he can hint 21 to 23% strikeout rate with that low walk rate as well and going deep into games. This is a guy who could be a workhorse for seasons. I I really do think that tier seven is is an absolute steal. This uh this does make me feel good because whenever I'm, I'm pumping up a tiger, I I worry about bias. It you can't avoid it, right? We try to. Sure. And I I always try to be uh, objective when I'm talking about anybody really, but especially somebody that's on my favorite team that I watch all the time because there's going to be inherent bias because I watch them all the time. But you have just explained my feelings on him to a T. Uh, both coming into this year with regards to the stuff being worthy of more strikeouts than we've seen, and then of course of the of the Degrom like ulnar nerve surgery, which is not a major deal. And yeah, you got to monitor him just because Degrom came back doesn't mean he will 1,000% come back, but it's a really high probability. This is not a major uh, a surgery of concern. I would call. I would. I would not say it's one of those. So I'm with you on Fulmer. I I absolutely love this guy. And obviously the team context isn't great out in Detroit, but uh, everything else beyond that I, I I absolutely like. So um, I'm with you on Fulmer. And pick uh, pitcher 47, pick 188 is a steal. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who are you running from? Uh, I am running away from. Can I guess? Drew, no, Drew Pomerantz. Oh, it's Pomerantz. Okay, I was going to guess Duffy. Sorry. So I, I was going to have it wrong. Duffy. Right. I mean, I understand the Velocity Watch 2017 of Duffy <laughs> yeah. that I had. Velocity Watch. Dun dun dun. That's what it was. It was him and Wood going back and forth. I but uh, and I don't. I'm not too high on Duffy. I have him around the mid 40s or so. 
I do think his stuff is good enough, though. I mean, his changeup and slider is still really good, and he can get away with, uh, you know, 92, 93 velocity, even though it won't even be that low. Yeah, despite uh, the fallback last year, it's not like he was garbage. Right, exactly. So I think that he can still be very effective at that level. Uh, the one I don't like is Drew Pomerantz. Uh, and I understand the 3.32 ERA is really what's shooting this up. Um, he still had a 1.35 whip, buoyed by a 9.3% walk rate. His cutter he did pull it back, which is good because it wasn't a very effective pitch. But that used to be an effective pitch for him. He was That used to be very good for getting lefties to chase away as well as busting righties inside. And he's really turned into a two-pitch pitcher, which does, doesn't surprise me because he had a sub-5.5 five, sub IPS. So even with that 23.5% K rate, he is not going deep enough for me to, you know, for him to express it enough. Uh, and that puts me in a situation where I think he's, his E-rate can get blown up and he won't have the time to correct it later innings as well. I, I just don't see someone that I'm going to be confident starting every single time. Th- that's fair. Uh, one thing I will say, though, that while the Andrew concerns are fair, um, he's one of 27 pitchers with back-to-back 170-plus inning seasons, which kind of surprised me. When I was doing my research, I was like, wow, you know, he, he did put together a couple of durable seasons uh, that doesn't guarantee that, it, that it's going to hang going forward. And, uh, you know, always walking guys, which keeps that whip high. I think the 118 whip in 16 was surprising. It's because he has to keep the hits down. Like his margin for error on that is, is, is uh, on his whip is so low because if he allows hits, it's a GG. It's a, game, it's a good game because, right. uh, you know, he's going to have the walks. The walks are there. They're part of his game. The curveball is part of it. It just is overall, I think, his mechanics play a role in it, too. So I, I, I fully hear your concerns on Drew Pomerantz. Uh, Justin, favorite and least favorite out of Tier 7? Well, obviously my favorite is Garrett Richards. Already kind of blew that one uh, in the last tier <laughs> because I wasn't paying Garrett attention. Richards. I um, did too. I mean, it, it's all about health. If he's healthy and he appears to be healthy, it's it's really elite stuff. I mean, uh, I'm uh, I'm a little bummed. I, I, well, actually, I should probably bring up his player page to be sure. But I picked him for AL Cy Young uh, not that long ago. I don't know. I can't remember if it was last year before the injury uh, or the year before uh, as like a – uh, I, I really think he has that kind of level of stuff. Look at the numbers he put up last year in just six starts coming back from the injury. Yeah, they were great. Uh, you know, and, and, and he finished the season scored. on the field, which I love. Yes, and it I, was fully you know, supported by the uh, by you know the underlying numbers. There's no reason to think that you know he won't be healthy coming in this year. I, I got a lot of heat for kind of you know panning him earlier in the season when he opted not to get surgery, and I called PRP snake oil. Um, I still, <laughs> there's still uh, there's still a part of me that feels that way, but I mean at this point you got to say he's he's as healthy as any other pitcher can be, and I'm really weirded out by the fact that both you are now uh, on video and not just Nick. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I know <laughs> no one can see this, and it's. Uh, it, well, it's Nick not... decided to be on video, and I'm like, I'll join just for a little while. Oh, I mean, what what a guy, Spore. I mean, we see your beautiful beard, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to destroy the illusion beard. of my thick, full black beard, which is now like amazing reddish gray. So, um, uh, buying it because it looks amazing like that. <laughs> it does. So, um, the guy I dislike, uh, Pomeranz was going to be my guy. So, uh, oh, there he is. Uh, there you go, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the easy one in this tier. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna go with Danny Duffy. One, the health. Sure. The health for me is a little bit concerning. Um, and two, and this is going to be a total personal bias type thing. So, like, you know, there's no numbers I can use to support this. Um, uh, 
but I am an addiction specialist. I'm a recovering alcoholic. And it was really, really concerning to me that he had the DUI in the manner that he had it, where it was in the middle of the day uh, or, or early in the afternoon, um, and he got a DUI passing out at a bur- in a Burger King drive through that just sets off that was red. during the day. It was like I want to say it was like three p.m. or four p.m. Like it was. Oh, wow, it was that's not in day, the. That's it was solo day drinking. Yes, it was not in the, and it was when he was supposed to be flying back to get treatment on his elbow. You know, a time which he should really be taking care of his body. Now that can be chalked up for to him being somewhat young. He was what like twenty eight at the time. Sure. Um, he was going through a hard time in terms of injury, so maybe he was just trying to let off some steam. It's just a red flag for me as an addiction specialist. Like I said, I do that professionally, uh, and I've done it for a long time. I've been clean and sober a very long time. I understand how addiction works. It's something that you know, I'm not necessarily going to like take him off my board or anything, but it's something to be mindful of that this is you know something that if something else pops up, now we have a pattern. So mm-hmm. um, right, you know, that's really just, interesting. So, yeah, that's that's a that's great stuff. It really is, and obviously we hope it doesn't go down that path. But you can't just ignore a factor because you hope it doesn't happen. Right, and so that is something worth bringing up on Danny Duffy. And didn't he also have some anxiety issues similar in a similar vein? Didn't he consider I, quitting baseball at one point? I believe that that's that rings true to me. So because I, I, I know Grinky did, but then I think Duffy did a few years later on the same same organization. So don't quote me on that 100. percent But I feel pretty confident in that you factor it in with what you're talking about with the DUI and the circumstances and the she had it and you know there could be a little bit of you know, these guys are still human too right it just yeah. it goes back to that point that we talk about they're not they're never stat generating robots they're 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 human beings and stuff affects them too and they're not always just gonna be hey he was like this last year why isn't he like this this year well are you different than you were last year whether it's in your professional life or and just there, in your there life are serious substance abuse issues that go on behind the scenes in major league baseball that we don't talk about all the know? sports, really. Yeah, and right. it's all I mean, the look, sports, but they don't test, you know, for things in exactly. Major League Baseball in the same way that they test in the NFL, and they don't test mm-hmm. in basketball either. But, uh, you know, we had that article not that long ago that, you know, uh, stated that, what, like 60% of Major League Baseball players use cocaine. Uh, we've had plenty of issues over the years with alcohol, um, you know, and so it's just something when I hear something like that or somebody, you know, it has an issue, a legal related issue with alcohol or drugs. I don't always just chalk it up to that people being young because I think that is the easy, that's the easy cop out. It's just something I kind of note in my head as something to kind of keep an eye on because, you know, you know, people chalked up Matt Bush to just being young. People chalked yep. up, you know, Josh Hamilton to just Man's having Allen. some issues. Um, and then, you know, the, these guys lost major parts of their careers to addiction um, you know, and this may be a little bit of my own personal biases, uh, and that's why I, I, you know, I'm very honest and open about the fact that I'm I'm uh, a recovering alcoholic, uh, and that those things affect me. But I think it is something to pay attention to. I, I think that's that's really eye-opening and and interesting to think about. And again, not something where you say take Danny Duffy off your board, but just be mindful of it, especially given just his whole general history. So, um, yeah, good stuff there. And again, hopefully. He goes the other way and says, you know what? I did have this big mm-hmm. F up and I got to make sure that I stay on the straight and narrow and, and don't fall down a path that can be uh, damaging 
forget baseball to his entire life. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's uh, make a hard turn and back into the humor and fun <laughs> of tier eight. <laughs> uh, again, another must avoid and a, and a favorite situation here. Justin, we'll start with you on tier eight. Kevin Gossman, 202. Kenta Maeda, 204. Denelson Lomet, 211. Aaron Sanchez, 212. Blake Snell, or Block A, excuse me. Snell, uh, 214. Alex Cobb, 219. Mike Clevenger, 221. Taiwan Walker, 222. And Cole Hamels. 227. All right. What do you think, Justin? Well, the, the must avoid is pretty easy. It's Cole Hamels. I just think he's yep. done. I mean, the, the, yep. he just doesn't have it in his arm anymore. And I mean, I can't believe he is the ace of the Rangers rotation. We chuckled about that last episode, I think, a little bit. So um, That rotation, dude. Uh, I think Nick is actually vying for the fifth starter, right, Nick? You were saying that you're going to be the fifth starter, maybe? Yeah, that's why I was in Texas. Yeah, you got that. You wouldn't <laughs> tell me when you were here, but now that there's more concrete there details. You go. Okay, cool. I knew it. You're like, oh, I got a bachelor party. I'm like, you don't have any friends? Get real, dog. It was because you're going to pitch for them. That's awesome, dude. I hope you have to start in Round Rock, though, because then I can come watch you pitch. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, uh, tell them that you want to start in AAA, get a few starts there so your buddy can come watch mm-hmm. you. And then, you know, when you're pitching in Texas, I'll come watch you, too. Don't worry about it. Oh, that I appreciate that. That goes a long bad, way. <laughs> um, Nick, you're nodding your head in agreement on, on Hamilton, so I, I'm curious on your thoughts, too, because it – you know, on the one hand, it's like, well, it's hey, it's a, it's, a, it's the clear outlier, and and maybe it's not not the uh, the end of the world, but he's also gonna be 34, and it's not the clear, not just the clear outlier, but it's really bad. Like, there's no appealing factor there in anywhere so except that foul. he didn't give up a ton of hits. That's that's the only thing he gave up fewer hits because he had a 251 BABIP, and so there's really nothing else that's like, hey. Get Cole Hamels. So what do you think about him? I mean, his fastball velocity dropped 1.5 points. His whiff rate fell a ton overall from 12.2%. It was always above like 11% or so. It went down to 9.7 last year. Uh, It's his second straight year of at least an 8.5% walk rate. His first strike rate keeps falling. It used to be above 60% all the time. And then all of a sudden now it's 56.4%. That's the lowest since his rookie year in 2006. Uh, his changeup is still a good whiff pitch. That's always been the pitch with Hamels. Yeah. Uh, but his cutter and curveball have now been pretty mediocre. And his four-seamer is actually not so bad. But he's also mixing it with a sinker that's really bad. So, I mean, I could see a situation where he just goes, you know what, I'm going to throw tons of four-seamers and work my changeup with that and maybe a curveball cutter and maybe he can get by with that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to purchase that. I'm not going to go to my drafts and be like, okay, that's what he's going to do. He's going to be fixed. It's going to be great. Um, especially with the rest of this tier, it just seems like a clear, yeah, I'm not yeah, at all buying the Hamels. I think that's right. Um, even though he's the cheapest, he still is the avoid. Uh, Justin, who, who are you chasing then? Uh, it's an easy one. If, if I'm going back to the well on Johnny Cueto, then I'm also going back to the well on the huge discount you're getting from Aaron Sanchez. Um, oh, massive. I mean, what a top 20 pitcher last year, mm-hmm. undoubtedly in the top 100. In fact, I can look it up really quickly yeah, while you I go mean, ahead and talk about him. You know, we forget that he's only 25 years old, uh, that he was one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball before uh, coming up and, and posting an awesome 2016. Last year was just completely derailed by the blisters and, and fingernail and issue. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, P- pitcher 26 at pick 108 last year. Go ahead. And, and I liked the price last year. I had a lot of shares, and I, I got burnt. Um, but I, I'm willing to buy back in uh, throughout 2017 completely, uh, say that you know we're, we're looking at a guy who should put up uh, you know, a mid-3 ZRA uh, with you know seven to eight strikeouts per nine, uh, a, a decent walk rate. His 
was able to limit home runs really well uh, in in Toronto in 2016. I think this is a guy that will be on virtually all of my fantasy teams this year. So cheap too, uh, Nick. Your tier eight. Uh, when you got your avoid with Hamels, unless you want to add another one. But who are you chasing in tier eight? Well, the guy I'm chasing is uh, I, I. I'm going to get a little bit of flack of this, but I'm really high on my Clevenger. Okay. Uh, and it's the flag I understand because he's not he's not locked for the Cleveland rotation yet. Yeah, I just, but I just can't. I know it's Josh Tomlin. Like I, I don't understand, understand how Josh Tomlin as a pitcher. And the thing is, I feel like if if it's out in the open, Tomlin's not the fifth guy. It's it's Clevenger, no question. Or even like the consideration that maybe someone else gets injured on the team, or Salazar. You know what? Maybe we are going to keep him relief. That's probably not going to happen. But, or maybe you know. he gets traded. Right? They right, have an outfield issue sure. right now. I'm telling you. Why isn't Danny Salazar for Domingo Santana not a perfect? Yeah, there you player? go. I've heard so, it rumored. It seems to per- so. Perfect. It just seems it just seems so inevitable that Clevenger is going to start, and when he does, I mean, I was talking before about the the Indians having guys that throw fastballs really poorly and then great secondary pitches. That's the same thing with Clevenger. Clevenger has three secondary pitches, all with above nineteen percent whiff rates. Uh, that's his changeup, slider, and curveball. Slider and curveball are above twenty percent. And I think he can continue lowering his fastball total, favor those secondary pitches more. I don't expect his 12% walk rate to stick around. I, I really do think that when he was missing pitches, it wasn't wild. It was nibbling, and he just wasn't getting it right. I think that's something that if you stick him in rotation for a season, he will correct it. He will fix that. He will develop. He's young. Uh, he also in- induced a sub 20% uh, poor hit rate. That is the next stat, but it's essentially saying that you know balls in play that really shouldn't be hits 20% of the time. Uh, solid, and I just I, he's he's just so much better than you than you think. So I, 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 I have him at, I have him at 47, uh, and I think that he's he's stealing this tier. I've got way low. I'm 75, and part of it was the the lack of a guaranteed spot. But again, I still consider as deep as 75 part of the glob. So you, you look at 75 versus, say, 40, and my 40 is Michael Waka. And I love Michael Waka, but I'm just not going to sit here and argue with you guys that Michael Waka is uh, exponentially better than Mike Clevenger. So again, it just speaks to the glob, and so I don't get too hung up on the number. Uh, that said, I do have him on the low end. If he gets named the fifth starter, though, I guarantee move him up. Uh, I That's another guy I thought would be cheaper because he didn't have the spot. Kudos to the market for, for pr- pricing him appropriately because they think he's going to take that that fifth spot from Josh Tomlin because Josh Tomlin doesn't deserve it. Or Danny Salazar trade. Two avenues right. to, to get one, in One correction there. I need to make, by the way, a sub-20% pH rate. I read that wrong. That is not very good. So I take that away. That is a point against Clevenger. Okay, so that he is not something good. It was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, I was making the case. Poor that hit rate. Good, that's poor hit rate. Right. So okay, you want actually want a higher twenty. One. You want a higher one. That is okay. okay. I just want to make that correction. Okay. I I appreciate that. I, that's why we have Nick on, not just for the acronyms, but you know what? Calls himself out when he makes a, a mistake <laughs> on his stats. That's the way to go. Um, you guys heard Kevin Gossman and Taiwan Walker were in this group, so you know who the hell I like. It's pretty obvious. I talk about those two all the time. So we don't really do expound on that. Love we're here Kevin to talk Gossman. to Justin and Nick. Y'all know I'm buying back in on that MF. Or of course, he, he had to go out and have a big freaking finish and be like, yo, Paul, how you doing? <laughs> 270 ERA, 115 whip in his last 14 starts with supporting skills. 
F you, Gossman. You're bringing me back in. I do <laughs> hate to love you and love to hate you. Uh, all right, last one Last one of the favorite, non-favorite. Then we'll get back to some more pointed questions. Tier 9, a little bit smaller. Lance Lynn, 231. The aforementioned Michael Walker, 232. Lucas Giolito, 235. Jacob Faria, uh, 236. If that's not Nick's pick, I don't know what. There's going to be some trouble at home. Uh, Julio Terran, 237. Patrick Corbin, 239. And Rick Porcello, 240. Nick, we'll start with you. If the favorite is not the guy who does your intro on your podcast, again, there's going to be trouble on the homestead. <laughs> he is the I'll... official pitcher of PitcherList.com. Jake Faria, for those uh, who don't know, it's literally uh, the pitcher, the official pitcher of the PitcherList. So you'll, you'll have to expound on him, <laughs> and then you can get into the guy that you're running um, away from. Yeah, Jacob Faria is the guy that I'm going for here. I have him, I believe, at 46 on the list uh, right now. Yeah, 46. Uh, the, he has the full repertoire. I mean, the only thing that is uh, the negative for me is he did get injured last year, and you don't know if that's going to happen again. But keep in mind, before he got injured, the seven starts that he had, it was a two ERA with a .98 whip. Uh, he and has a, every a bit four seamer. Yeah, completely. We had this amazing breakdown. Ian Post uh, wrote about him about forty five hundred words. Awesome breakdown. Definitely take a look at it. I. Uh, but the main thing is that. His four-seamer can get some cut action at times. He talked about it. We had an interview with him. I go If he can develop that even further, if he can make that a consistent thing on that pitch, keep in mind his differentiation between his changeup and his slider as far as the drop is seven on his changeup and nine on his slider. That is a ton. He gets a, t- a huge amount of rise on his four-seamer, 23.8% whiff rate on a split changeup. This is a guy who can give you – you know, everything you'd want in a starter, and he's going with was tier nine. Yeah. That, that, that's an absolute pitcher, steal to me. Pitcher 63, pick 236. And even his high end is 178, which would put him back in the range of uh, a Charlie Morton, Danny Duffy type. Which I want for real. Not out of the bounds to pay. What'd you say you had him at? What pitcher? 46. That's right. That's literally exactly where he would be at, at, at his max pick. So you basically have him at his max pick which is not out of bounds at all. Sounds great to me. So, uh, yeah, Faria, uh, I knew it was going to be your pick. I, I totally understand it. The dude is is really good. I don't have him quite as high, but it's nothing against him. It's just the slotting of the of the names. And, in fact, he definitely needs to be moved up a few because um, in drafts that I've already been in, there was no universe where I wasn't take. I took him over, uh, off the top of my head, I know I took him over Roark, Tehran, Hamels, Hap, and even my boy Big Irv. So I definitely have to move him up at least six, seven slots on my list. But I, I'm, I understand your your uh, your love for Faria. What about someone you're not so hot on here? So, I mean, I don't like too many of these. I do like Lucas Giolito. I do like Patrick Corbin a little bit. Yeah, and you wrote uh, up Lucas Giolito. You wrote some great I stuff did. on Lucas And Giolito. he actually made those changes. And I was actually really surprised to see that he corrected himself so quickly. I uh, so that makes me a little bit excited about Giolito. I uh, but the one I really hate, I just don't want anything to do with Rick Porcello. Yeah, he steals I, Cy Youngs. You don't want anybody I that do. steals awards. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, come on, I don't want the award thieving right? MF. How dare he? That's how you Listen, get awards. I mean, he's just steal. He's just steal them. We're gonna steal really the podcast simple. award next year. <laughs> take what a him. Rick. We're going uh, to call the FSW. It, we're, we won the podcast award this year. No, you didn't. We voted. No, no. We won it. Yeah. We're, we we're are so taking it. It's ours. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The, uh, no, you're good. Uh, 
essentially his fastball is just terrible, like you see with the Indians pitchers, but he doesn't have the secondary pitches. There's nothing to, save to back him. it up. Exactly. It's just nothing. 38.3% hard contact last year, up 8.3 points from 2016. What uh, happened to his sinker that he had with the Tigers that used to get 60%? Uh, honestly, I, I, he, hey, he did have a decent slider, kind of. He added 4.5% of points, sorry, in, uh, in whiff rate to 15.1, but it's, there's just nothing to be excited about. I really don't see why I'd go after him as opposed to some other guys we'll even mention. Actually, even guys that aren't even on this, I would rather have than than Rick Porcello. Wow, that is severe. Uh, so suck at Rick Porcello. Justin, <laughs> anybody uh, different here that you that you like and dislike? I assume your dislike is the same, but if you want to hit on somebody else or f- expound on Porcello, that's fine. Um, no, and I'm anybody just that double you're... down on, on Porcello and say, yeah, yeah. Did a, did give him what he deserves. Nice yeah. yeah, yeah, we're, we're just hey, the even three of us. If I want... actually give him points for stealing the uh, the the Cy Young. Um, I mean, you got it. When you don't deserve something, you don't just let the person who's deserving take it. You just I mean, steamroll them and get your twenty. Yeah. I got twenty wins now. Give me that award, please. I mean, if I just <laughs> let the most deserving person at Rotographs take Eno's you know, spot on this podcast, I wouldn't be on it. No, I, you know, I Punch whistled Brad my Johnson way in. And yeah. Mike Podhors are right in the yeah. throats, and you're like, now you guys can't talk with no windpipes, yeah. MFs. Exactly. Like Alex Chamberlain was all about it. I'm like, no, no, dude, this, this no, is mine. No. You know, <laughs> you boxed him out and it jumped in there. You're like, I've got the blue Yeti dog. I've got the headset already. You're done. Yeah, no. um, who, who are you liking out here, though? This is an interesting tier. It's it, not guys that I think have the, the highest of high upside, even somebody like Waka, who I do love. Um, we're not going necessarily and seeing guys that are going to be frontliners. But is there anybody in here that you're like, you know what? I'm putting a star next to him for the middle of my rotation. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Michael Waka guy. Um, you know, like you, I, and I like Lance Lynn too. I want to see where he lands first. Yeah. Because the home runs is, is, you know, a, could be a major issue if he is like the consolation prize in Milwaukee, but I mean, he's a guy concern. that you know, he gets like an injury tag because he missed time in 2016, but he pitched 186 innings last year prior to that had never, or hadn't had uh, less than uh, 175 innings in the previous four seasons. He's a workhorse. Uh, yeah, I mean, all sub four ERA uh, a years. So, I mean, like, Lance Lynn, to me, I think is underrated. I wanted to crap on Julio Tehran. Um, <laughs> Always do that but, whenever and, you but, can. But the price is craps on him already, though, well, right? And, right? And here's the thing, like, like he got murdered at home, absolutely murdered at home. For that park was built for Freddie Freeman and by someone who hates Julio Tehran. I mean, it's just <laughs> you know, he, he just is. It SunTrust is off for him. But if you look at his last three starts uh, of the season at home, uh, you know, pitched six innings in each start, uh, three ERA, uh, uh, two twenty four average against. I mean, he actually was pretty good. Only it did not give up a home run in those last three starts. So, I mean, I think he may have started to figure something out. I'm not willing to bank on it because of a small sample, but I'll have a share or two of Julio Tehran. Yeah, again, I think everything that's negative about Tehran is built into the price. Yeah. So it's it's pretty easy to, if you have any shred of, of like for him, just buy in, get your share, get super cheap, and get out. Charlotte's on the podcast now, guys. And it's a video <laughs> podcast. Sorry for those of you listening. You don't get to see the video podcast, but Charlotte has made an appearance, and she wants to say that she voted for Rick Porcello. She's in the BBWAA, and uh, she was actually paid to do it, though, by a uh, Mr. Porcello. Actually, a, a, 
<laughs> a pick, a, a pick, Rorcello wrote her a five thousand dollar check. <laughs> this is what happens uh, when we get close to two hours on a podcast. Oh, man. Yeah, we I know. Just, it's, we're getting punchy. Get her out of here. Let's move on. Okay, Sean, you got to go. <laughs> All right, going over to tier 10 here. Let me pull up my, my questions again because now we're back to pointed questions. Okay, tier 10. This is a thick one, thick with two Cs. Uh, Shamanaya, 250. Alex Reyes, 252. Jordan Montgomery, also 252. Tanner Roark, 253. Jay Happ, 254. Brad Peacock, 259. Brent Honeywell, 266. Tyler Chatwood, 271. Luis Gohara, 276. Jake Odorizzi, 278. Felix at 281. Felix Hernandez, for those that don't know who Felix is. And Miles Miklas at 285. Nick, is Felix done? So we call uh, Felix Hernandez Prince Felix. Oh, uh, downgraded. Yeah, so we, we don't like him. <laughs> I mean, injuries have stripped him of 160 innings plus in two straight years. Shoulder injury in August last year. His fastball is below 91. And his changeup is like the pitch for him. With his, it's like, just it's, three mile power. What happened? What happened? Yeah, it used to be like this massively good uh, ground ball pitch as well. Always be low in the zone. His fly ball count almost doubled to twenty two point six percent while not changing the home run of a fly ball rate, which was everything. I uh, I just do not see him rebounding it. Like it's just like Cole Hamels to me. They're in the same tier for me. Of uh, just there, I'm not gonna. At least Felix is much cheaper though. Between the two, that is, that is true. I mean, in my my rankings is just you know. It, it, you're hoping for the same thing. They, they need to make a massive change for anything to yep. happen. Yep, I agree. Uh, Justin, how much will Alex Reyes contribute this year? Not enough to be drafted where he's going, I think. you know, I, I think there's a, a real chance that he spends a, a large portion of the year in the bullpen once he is ready. Um, and mm-hmm. I love the upside, and I think at some point he's going to be fantastic, whether it be at the end of this year or going into the beginning of next year. But unless you're in like the 50 team draft and holds. And then like that to me is like a great place to invest in Alex. I agree. Like he's trying to spike that big season. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to roster a guy like this. It just really is. I mean, we don't have the depth that we used to in ter- because of the 10 day DL because of just regular injuries. Um, you know how we like to, you know, churn and burn on our lineups, especially in, in shallower formats. Uh, I love the upside and that's why he's going where he's going, but it's not for me. I'm in full agreement there. I I, I do have concerns. I don't, I'm not taking him at pitcher 68 at all. Uh, I've got him down at at pitcher 87. I know uh, Jeff Zimmerman recently wrote a piece that kind of went counter to that, that he actually deems him undervalued and somebody to invest in. And obviously it centers around the upside, so that totally makes sense. But uh, again, for me, it's just not there. Uh, Nick, I will get your thoughts. We got another question coming up, uh, but your thoughts on Alex Reyes since he is so intriguing for a lot of folks. No, I think I think you guys nailed it, really. Uh, it's just also, keep in mind, yeah, the walk rate, I don't know if that that's going to get much better, too. So walk rate. you combine that with coming back, it's just it's too much concern and keep in mind you know you're gonna have to sit with him on the dl for a while and you're gonna be we're gonna bring this up with later on with eduardo and nelson like you have to sit on that and you're drafting yep. him and it's going to be so tough watching you them on your bench as be patient other guys are coming up i'm not going to be able to deal with that most of the time so nope. i'm i'm probably just uh just gonna let ray sit out there and hey Folks, you guys know yourselves better than anybody. If you're patient enough to do it, then feel free. Nick and I deem ourselves not patient enough, so it's not going to be the headache that we want to deal with. And and here's the thing. I'm willing to lose on a guy like this where where he has the good season and I say, you know what? 
you made the you made the investment. You had the patience. Congratulations. It's not for me. Uh, Nick, the question for you though is uh, Brent Honeywell or Louise Gohara? That's so tough. I I mean, it really depends on what we see from Honeywell out of spring training. Uh, yeah. How soon he's going to come up? Because Luis Gohara is going to be there right away, and I would love to be on that train. You think he is going to be? I'm worried that uh, they're going to let fogies go I out the not. gate. I hope not. I mean, that's, oh God, I hope not. I, uh, I think, I'm with I think, you. Believe me, but uh, I, I am. I am look, if that's the case, concerned if, about that. If if you want to, if you want to say that they have the same chance of making the yeah, rotation out of the way, let's then I want then I want Honeywell. Then I think Honeywell has more the believable upside. I mean, he has you know he has a five pitch repertoire. He has the the twenty nine point one percent K rate, the the sub six walk rate. I mean, he looks like he's you know golden. I, I, I do think that it is more believable that Gohara will find his way in just because, I mean, maybe the, the Rays go and trade Archer, and there you go, well, or Oda Rizzi or something like that. Especially from the jump. I agree with you there that between the two, the most likely to break camp is Gohara. He's had major league experience, and they have two guys that aren't really great right. barriers with, with uh, Kazmir and McCarthy. But the reason that I'm concerned about is his rookie status is still intact, so they can manipulate the service a little bit. That's and they fair. can let those two clowns go. So I, yep. I I would love for that to not happen, but um, I'm still going to have shares of both, actually. I really like yeah, both Yeah, I like guys, both. So it's Kamara hard to has it. 25.2% whiff rate on a slider, and I actually didn't even think he executed it too consistently and he still had that he that, got that whiffs on the pitch like so floating impressive. in the zone and he they still had whiffs on it his changeup actually my debut i wrote for the for rotographs i was actually impressed with what i saw on his changeup just because i can see that developing into that proper third option against right handers to really debilitate them uh it's just a little the question is is he going to develop that changeup better and is his fastball command going to stick around uh for him to set up those two pitches. So Absolutely. I love it. I think that he has really, really high upside. I don't think enough people give him credit for. Uh but if you ask me between the two, Honeywell is I think the more polished pitcher from what I've heard. I haven't really gotten a chance to watch him yet. So I, I think Honeywell so, is more of a kitchen sink guy though. Like he he is yeah. like he's got so many pitches and that's great. But he I don't think he's got the Gohara upside. And so for me, give this hmm. point in the draft, give me the guy who could be the front of a rota- a fantasy rotation starter, uh, has already had a taste to the major leagues, pitches in the NL East. Um, I just think... NL Easy. Excuse yeah. me, NL Easy. <laughs> Sorry, I, I apologize. <laughs> Although you can't say it that much for Atlanta because they're part of it. I mean, yeah. he kind he doesn't of... Get to, he doesn't get to... He gets three out of four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Although I will say that Philly is not... I don't know that's going to be that's, super... That's another but, discussion. But, but yeah. I, we don't need to get down to the semantics <laughs> of it. It is still the easiest division on paper right now. So uh, I agree with that. By the way, I have... The reason I wanted you two to pick it is because I got them 83 and 84. I got them right by yeah, each other. So I, they're, I, they're right next, I connect I for really me too. Like both. I will have shares of both. Uh, Justin, your question is, will Miles Mikolas and Tyler Chatwood be all formats contributors? Uh, Chatwood definitely won't be. Um, okay. And, yep. and I, I have no idea what to make of Mikolas. I know that, you know, talked him up a lot before he left. Um, I just, I, I want to see it first. I'm not going to have any shares of either of these guys. I know they're going super late, but... Uh, Chatwood is not a good pitcher. Like, and let's say, let's not say that just because someone's moving out of Colorado, they're automatically going to get better. That's not how it works. Like, you don't get extra talent by leaving Colorado. Uh, and he's not going to fare well in Chicago. Uh, but Miklas is a complete enigma to me. And for that reason alone, I'll take some guys that are going below him that I know a little bit better. Uh, until I see him pitch. Yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah, uh, you're nodding your head on the Chatwood bit for sure. 
I mean, both. I mean, I think you nailed it both okay. ways, Justin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, with Nicholas, I, I, I think there's an article. I think it was Alex Chamberlain had a great piece on him. Uh, and I, that's really the process. The problem is that I can't, I, that's all I have. I, uh, it does seem to me like he's a good guy to go after in the late rounds. Cause why not? You know, this yeah. could be, it's an unknown. It's a mystery box, right? I think the uh, Colton Lewis comp is the easiest and it makes sense though, too, uh, right down to their arsenal. And so I'll probably get a share cause it's not that expensive, but I, I'm not, I'm not banking anything on it. And with the pick 285, of course, you're not banking anything on it. Yeah, right. That's that, that's essentially price of free in the 12-teamer. So I might as yep. well, my last round, I would love to have him because, hey, it could be better than that. I don't really know. Uh, Tyler Chatwood, you're totally right. I think the thing that people quote are two things, 349 ERA and 13 starts away and a 58.1% ground ball rate that will play well against with the cores, sorry, the, uh, the Cubs defense. Yep. However, those 13 starts, it was a – 4.99 FIP with an 8% K minus walk rate. Uh, and 2 2 yeah. 2 Babbitt. Like, those are terrible. Well, they conveniently leave that out when they're bringing yeah. up all this greatness and, about Tyler Chatwood. Right. And and it's it's not necessarily that also that having that ground ball rate, you go to Wrigley from cores. That's good in cores. You want to have that high ground mm-hmm. ball rate. So that doesn't necessarily get fixed going out of it. I uh, And also, walk rate is still there 12.2% overall. Like, it, this isn't a good pitcher. It just isn't. Yeah. So I'm not – I mean, you can make the case that his slider gets a little bit better when he leaves cores. You know, the thin well, air changes, breaking balls. It's just – And they don't have Basio, yeah, who was working it. a lot – the former pitching coach who was working a lot of their magic with pitchers. Uh, he's in Detroit now. So, right. you know, going to Chicago, we love their organization, but it's not magic. They don't just go and they automatically get better, especially if the key cog, the pitching coach, is not there to to, to perform that transformation for him. So I agree with you guys on, on both of them. I'm definitely liking Miklas because the cheap the price is so cheap, but Chadwood has been a stay away from me. I'm just I just don't think I'm gonna have any shares. I can uh, see like, him being I can see Chadwood being someone that is drafted, dropped in April, and then we're streaming him in June. Yes. Bingo. And the mm-hmm. people that drafted him don't get any of it, and that'll be right. hilarious. Yep. I, I, spent, I spent an 18th round pick on him, <laughs> and now you guys are benefiting from it. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Go, dummy. Uh, tier 11, Zach Davies, 300. Jimmy Nelson, 303. Uh, Marco Estrada, 314. Mike Miner, 316. Michael Kopech, 317. Sean Newcomb, 321. Steven Matz, 330. Dan Straley, also 330. Matt Shoemaker, 334. Uh, Joe Musgrove, 336. Eduardo Nunez, excuse me, Eduardo Nunez. Eduardo Rodriguez, 336. And Mike Leak, 336. Everyone goes at 336. Justin, favorite injury gamble between Eduardo Rodriguez and Jimmy Nelson. Yeah, this one annoys me a whole lot because I was like Jimmy Nelson's biggest fan up until last year. Uh, and then you <laughs> so you missed out on the oh, greatness. Like, I mean, yeah, you go check all my bold prediction pieces from 2015 <laughs> to 2016, and I was That's all over like, Jimmy Nelson. And I was just no. like, he's just he's just one tweak away, just oh, one no. tweak away. And I was like, last year, I was like, no, I'm done. Screw <laughs> Jimmy Nelson. Uh, but I'm bought back in, and you know, it sounds like he's progressing a lot faster than he uh, thought he would. Um, or that people thought he would from from the injury. It sounds like there's a real chance he could be back in May sometime. Uh, I think this is a really nice discount. It's hard to roster these kind of guys, like we mentioned earlier in the episode. Uh, But if I'm going to roster a guy, it's a guy that has shown top 20 upside in Jimmy Nelson. So uh, that's the guy uh, I'm definitely interested in. Uh, for 2018, I think Erod is just one of those guys that's never going to live up to what we thought he was because he can't stay on the field. So, well, okay, I mean, okay, so Nelson, I uh, the latest I've heard is that he's out until around June, 
yeah. that's the best I, I like. How that's that to me speaks July. Oh, absolutely, uh, a total stay away for me. And that's no, the they, three they just, months. They just oh, said oh. he's progressing faster, like last week. But I mean, this the last I saw. I saw this like the end of January. I could be wrong. Could be progressing faster. I don't know. But this is again two months. I have to wait on that. Uh, I mean, I don't like the scenario anyway. You said it yourself. I the thing I see with Eduardo, the currently quote mid April, which to me is May. I always add like two weeks to this. Yep, Colette and, uh, taught me to be more skeptical of all the uh, timetables. I uh, but the thing was with, with Eduardo, at least like he had nine starts uh, at the beginning of last year, two seventy seven year rate, one point one two WHIP, twenty six point six percent K rate, and then all of a sudden his knee started bothering him, and then and then everything else went you know south. He got he left the season, all that fun stuff, right? I'm a huge fan of Nelson. I I loved him last year. He was an easy pickup in so many leagues. It was great. I adore him. I really think his skills are could be here to stay. It's just I don't want to endure the weights. I mean, we were just talking about this before. I don't want to sit on this. I, and I think that's going to be detrimental to my season. If there's someone I have to, it's Eduardo because there's a chance that I can survive before he comes back. They're right, that's true too. Which, I mean, you, help, you could make a case about. I think it's his landing leg. Leg, I believe that's yeah, right. I mean, it's not good. But, it's not good, but at least right, it's not arm related. So, I mean, that's. I would love to have Nelson. I, I absolutely loved him at his peak. It was amazing last season. I was so sad to see him go, especially sliding back to first base. Yeah, because the NL is stupid and continues. To exactly. Why does Why does bad. everyone? Why does everyone? Why is everyone in favor of getting rid of the DH? I am for the DH. Get, I add the DH. No, no, get rid NL. of the DH ever. I want to see pitchers hit. Oh, oh my god. god. Get oh out of here. God. You've ruined <laughs> everything for us. It's so bad. Because the Giants <laughs> actually have good hitting pitchers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, How many more Brewers need to go down? Uh, freaking. Um, <laughs> we Pop- lost the gem that is Stephen Wright, guys. Yeah, we have good old Stephen Wright. Uh, hey, Charlie Morton's breakout might have happened sooner if he hadn't ripped his groin off the friggin' bone uh, running be out some crap. God, why do you shape. need to articulate be that shape. injury? Oh my God. <laughs> that is the most painful injury you could have described. Right? Absolutely terrible. Oh God. Uh, Nick, will will Michael Kopech have 2018 value? Uh, I hope so. I mean, there's some talks about him coming up early. Uh, and... I mean, I'm hesitant to trust anyone that has essentially a 12% walk rate. I mean, he had three starts in AAA. I'm not going to count last year. Um, it's kind of it's it's slightly reminiscent of the uh, what we call the Tyler Glaslater situation. <laughs> that I, might be my favorite one of yours. When I first uh, heard that, I think I, I think fast. I have to give credit to fast for that one. That wasn't me. I was at that Walgreens was and I cackled out loud <laughs> because I cannot stand Tyler Glaslater. Well, like in terms of a, of a not as like a person or anything, but just as like a fantasy investment. I'm I've been out from day one and when <laughs> Tyler Glaslater. Just well, like, yeah, because uh, like, you know if you don't have you don't have a good walk rate, like a terrible one. It doesn't, that's not going to translate. You're not going to fix it all of a sudden in the majors. And, and that is something the- that's consistent with Kopech. It does speak more to a reliever because he really only has that fastball and slider combination. I've heard that he's developing his changeup that could come along and that would be the last piece. Sure. But uh, I mean, I want to take a flyer on this. Who knows? Maybe the White Sox are like, let's go. Let's do this right now. And I want him on my team. Let's, I want to take that problem, chance. Though, because what, what incentive do they have to really yeah, rush? It? It. I like, agree with that. But that's yeah. the thing. I actually, that's what I initially wrote. And then then I've been hearing all this talk about the Chicago White Sox want to get him going. So Justin I don't know why. On the, uh, the Kopech bit saying it's a no. So yeah. uh, you, I, 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 hope, not. I hope it's a no. So 
<laughs> Only 15 Doesn't innings in AAA. The, the White Sox are not going to be competing for anything. Why, why start right? the clock? I mean, maybe he's up in August. Like, maybe he comes up before the September call-ups, but... Sure I, as hell not holding him that long. It's not like this, right, is, this no isn't way. like a Honeywell situation where he is ready and should be in the majors, and, exactly. you know, Tampa's just yep. trying to hold down the service clock. Kopech has things to work on, and so, yes. I mean, there, there's no reason for them to bring him up and have him get his, you know, brains bashed in, in, in at the major league level, especially because this is a guy that may not have all the screws tight in his head, like, you know, <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit of a goober. Like, don't Remember, get me he wrong, had... like, he's, he's fiery, and I like that, but he also, mm-hmm. like, broke his hand trying to punch a teammate or punch something. Punching a like, wall. Yeah. Did he oh, punch man. a wall or something? Or team, yeah, whatever. I, thought he, I think, he, think he threw it at a teammate and hit a wall, which there, there you shows go. the lack of command. Um, but it was at, a, at an elite velocity, though. Yes, it was. It was elite velocity. It does have tremendous velocity. No, no, the, the, the punch. Yeah, oh, the punch. yeah exactly. The if, the he, if he had thrown it as a slider as opposed to a fastball, he might have gotten a <laughs> yeah. swing and missed out of it. <laughs> but ultimately, um, I don't see why the, the White Sox would rush him. He, he really does need to work on some things. So, uh, I, And I love Kopik. Like, Dynasty League, to me, top pitcher – you know, in terms of prospects, for sure. Like, above I 100 percent agree. Uh, like I even, I even like him a bit more than Alex Reyes, and I know people are going to scream at me for that. Uh, we're just talking long term. Reyes the has gone. the injury. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but for 2018, outside of 15 or the 50 round draft and holds, where you're just stashing a number of guys, uh, I, I can't advocate stashing him. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, I mean, it seems strange to me that people were talking so much about him coming up in the first place for all the reasons that you've mentioned. So, I mean, it's really just a matter of, you know, what happens in the spring for me. But, yeah, if I had to make that bet, there's no way I'm drafting Kopech right now. Mm-hmm. We're wrapping it up, boys. I'm not going to name the picks because they're all 345 or later. Tier 12, you you both are just picking two flyers that you like. Michael fulton Jermaine Marquez, Yunjin Ryu, Ivan Nova, CC Sabathia, Walker Bueller, Ulysses Chassin, Matt Harvey, Vince Velasquez, Colin McHugh, Tyler Skaggs, Carlos Rodon, Jared Eikhoff, Jack Flaherty, Tyler Glasslater, Ronaldo Lopez, Brandon Woodruff, <laughs> Anthony Descofani, Mike Montgomery, Jake Junis, Jarrell Cotton, Chad Cool, and Zach Wheeler. Justin, you first. Two, two guys you like, and then just a quick thought on them as we wrap up. Okay, uh, I'm going to take one that's on the board here and then one that's off the board. Um, okay. uh, Anthony Descalfani missed uh, you know, last season with injury. Coming back, we were talking about him as a breakout candidate coming into last year, but had just had his mm-hmm. season derailed. Um, if, if he's healthy and it appears he is, I think, he's a, I think he is a guy that could end up as like a top 50 starting pitcher. Uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot for that upside and hope that I just get paid off. I think, you know, there's obviously, you know, you're picking this late. It's obviously guys who are lower percentage to reach their ceiling. But what about lottery tickets? Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then we've talked about Chris Stratton, my love for him. I set the high pick on him in NFBC. Uh, Love the curveball. Just needs a little bit uh, better uh, pitch mix. Um, I think he has better command than he showed last year. Uh, And I think as long as the Giants don't do anything stupid, like give Derek Holland <laughs> the rotation spot because he's a lefty. Go Derek Stratton, Holland. You know, who they signed to a minor league contract this week uh, and is really freaking me out with all my uh, Chris Stratton uh, shares already. But uh, I think he'll be fine. Even if, even if he doesn't start the year in the rotation for some reason, he'll make it there because Holland's awful and so is Ty Block. So 
there you go. Nice. Nick? I, I love that strand pick, and I, uh, I really You can really go off the board, hope... too, if you want to go somewhere beyond. Oh, I, oh, I am going to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, it's I, just I a flyer that, territory. I I love that Stratton pick. I, I featured him uh, in on Rotographs as well. There's a breakdown there. I fell in love with him. I I really do hope that Holland isn't there. It's that would be what we would call the Dutch invasion. Uh, <laughs> and I I really hope that doesn't happen. I uh, Stratton deserves better. I and also love that Anthony Descafani one. I found myself loving him as I was doing the caps. So I I think that he is definitely a good guy to 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 look at as far as the lottery pick goes. Um, the two guys I'm going to mention, one is Reynaldo Lopez. I, uh, I think it was a really weird end to the season. He only had like a couple strikeouts total in his like, last couple starts. But I think that there's a lot of potential here. And more time, he's going to get more comfortable. His uh, 94.5 mile per hour four-seamer, that's great. He commands it. He uses it to get uh, strikeouts elevated in the zone. He goes all four corners of the plate with it. And his curveball only had a 6.9% whiff rate last year. However, a 169 in 2016 when he was with the Nationals. I think that can be a very good strikeout pitch for him moving forward. And his changeup pair with a four-seamer can be very effective as well. So I think this is something that I, I, I think just with more development in the Chicago White Sox uh, organization, he can do really good things. Uh, and the second guy is not on this list. It's Joe Biagini. And he deserves so much more love. It's not even fair. I uh, he has a, a genie. What else? What else <laughs> he can do? He God, needs to I'm be a B. Myself in the throw. The genie. Oh. Okay. I uh, ninety three point seven miles per hour velocity on his uh, fastball, but it hits his zone about fifty four percent of the time and generates grounders at a fifty seven percent rate. He has a huge curveball that he can throw in the zone over forty percent of the time that generates about sixty percent grounders, and then a changeup which is a 17.7% whiff rate. It ha- he has the three pieces right there. All three of those pitches had pitch values of, that were positive last year, wow. except for his cutter. They threw 11% of the time and was absolutely terrible. And it, it got like no whiffs. It was smacked around. It's just don't throw that. What's wrong and- with the minus 5.5? Pitcher, but they, we listed as a slider, by the way, slider cutter, whatever you like. It's, right. it's a classification it's, situation, but yeah, it's it got just a bad pitch. The piss beat, not he it. doesn't need it. He has the three pieces right now. Uh, it does look like he has the spot in uh, in the rotation with the Blue Jays, and even better, I have uh, Jeff Davis, uh, one of our newest uh, writers for Pitcherless, gave me a really good comparison between Stroman and Biagini. Uh, Strowman had the better expected bacon that is batting average on contact. Uh, he allowed fewer bacon. value hits. He uh, had an, a near the same uh, batted ball fip. And he also, by the way, BG last year, 61.5% left on base rate, which is absurd. When he, when that he was not going to stick. He was absolutely obliterated. It was one of those things because he's got some really good starts under his ledger from last year. Biagini does, including a game that I watched randomly because I watch random games. A, a sure. seven inning, seven shutout innings with ten strikeouts at Baltimore. At Baltimore in September when it's still warm and the ball is carrying, and he went down there and just dominated them. Uh, but when it was off, it was off right. hard. You know, like three and a third at That's... Boston, five in, five runs, six runs, four of them earned, and one in the third at Minnesota. So it's like when he doesn't have it that day, it's off, and it's probably that damn cutter, that the damn slutter, <laughs> cutter slider, whatever you want to call it. Because again, minus five point five pitcher value list. Uh, but that's the value thing. Uh, that's the thing. Mark. That's what I want. I love that pitcher value list. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's for you. That's, 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 you <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> but no, but that's the thing. I 
like I'd rather have the guy that has those extremes Same than, than someone that is neutral. And that's something actually I'll talk about hopefully another time uh, about like a new stat. But anyway, your last time on here, buddy. Sorry. That's mm. <laughs> ah, too bad. It's been it's been real. Should no, talk uh, about but no, I was I mean, here's the thing. I was talking about it with uh, my colleague, uh, <laughs> Joseph O'Keefe, and he was uh, we were talking about this. We're like, yeah, we want to go after Biagini because he has the pieces. He has the tools. He has the repertoire. Um, I think it's just a small adjustment, like Jimmy Nelson entering 2017. Justin, I like that name. That that that's a good name there for sure. And uh, like I said, there were flashes of brilliance. Uh, in fact, interestingly enough, I mentioned that he was he beat up Baltimore and then got beat up by Minnesota. He did that again. He did both of those twice. He beat up Baltimore twice, and Minnesota roughed him up twice as well. And it was like that's weird that the same teams he would have the same uh, same exact results against. But uh, I, I'm with you. I would rather the guy that that had the high highs, showed the greatness, and maybe got beaten up needs to fix that, as opposed to the guy who goes five innings, four runs every single time. Exactly. You're just yeah. like, that's bland as hell. You're not doing anything. I don't see any value to that. It doesn't mean Biagini will guaranteed fix it, but at least you see the pieces, and that's the enticing part. So good name there for sure. Um, you go look through that game log. There were a lot of good starts in the uh, in the early part of the season as well. Then you transitioned back to the bullpen, and then I cited those ones from from September. So good names. I'm, I like that you guys both went off the board. Um, you know, Justin, when we had our big uh, outfielder thon, mm-hmm. one of the things we got was, why didn't you guys go longer? Well, MFers, <laughs> look what we just did. We brought Nick Pollock in the fold, and we went longer. Yeah, we are approaching three hours. I'm not sure we can do this every week. <laughs> Definitely not twice a week, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, you'll be divorced in no time. And, uh, well, I'm sad and alone, so I'll just be chilling here. Hey, don't say time. I can't. Oh, you can. Oh, Nick is replacing. Oh, breaking news. Nick's replacing Justin Mason. Wait, what, uh, what's no. happening? No, no. It's like, wait, what the hell? Uh, no, honestly, <laughs> this, this reminds me of the good old days with uh, Doug Thorburn on our, our Tinstat podcast. When we would deep dive on pitchers this long, this was amazing. Nick, you killed it. You will definitely be back. Probably not for three hours a pop, but you will definitely be back. And oh, I look forward to it. You've encouraged me to do video. I got to look at Justin when I talk to him. It, it, it makes it more personal. I like <laughs> exactly, it. Exactly. I knew you know? did that because I've heard you kind of reference it now on your pod. I've got to clean my before. office. It's so much what? better. I've got to clean my office now. I this is not lights cool. Dim, and I have a standing desk, so you guys can't see the stuff <laughs> down here. I'm standing up. So oh, you, you see, see my, you see everything, guys. Yeah, you can only see my, my little Verlander picture over there and some curtains, and, and the lights are off. <laughs> you guys, I see all of you guys are pigs. No, I'm just kidding. Justin, I actually can't see any sort of mess. And Nick, Thank the only God. thing that was even like not even a mess but that i saw was like when you stood up to get your drink earlier i was like oh there's like it's nothing so you guys like are being bashful over nothing your offices are not even dirty you know you know but, what the uh, best part about this is is paul keeps talking about this three-hour podcast we're doing it's only actually like two hours and 14 minutes we just talked so long oh, before the yeah show right you guys that, were waiting yeah we were hanging out we were just you know having a so great time everybody's gonna like what, what happened to 45 minutes of the yeah, pod? yeah 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 i'm glad you brought that up <laughs> you know we'd have gotten like 15 tweets where's the other 45 minutes i, 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 I cut 35 minutes of luis castillo sorry guys <sighs> Well, you know, that's the last time that I ran for that long. Yeah, that, that could have definitely happened. Oh, yeah, but I forgot about that because my uh, my staff meeting ran over. You guys were chit-chatting, so I was looking at the call time. So, yeah, it's, it's about 2.15, uh, but I think the folks are going to really enjoy this. Nick, thank you so much for being on. Oh, Please tell the folks where they great. can find you one more time, both on your podcast and your website and your Twitter. 
Yeah, definitely. I come to us on Twitter at the pitcher list and then check us out at pitcherlist.com. We just uh, did a whole revamp of it and have a massive gift database. So check it out. Those gifts are Next in SFW for sure. Oh, the <laughs> gifts are amazing. Oh, by the way, you created now I was surprised. Now I've I've heard of this website. I've, I've never been to it. It's called P Hub. It's maybe a different letter. I, I saw your picture of it, your pitch video on there. The 150 nastiest pitches was on the That's crazy. No, it wasn't, but it should have been. There was an amazing video that you made um, up on YouTube. Do you, do you, is that your pinned tweet? If not, it should be. Actually, uh, it, it, well, the pinned tweet your... is now Pitchless 3.0. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's all it's all on the site. Yeah, the nastiest 150 pitches from 2017. That was tremendous. That it was, was a really fun time putting it together. When's your next episode of your pod, by the way? Uh, I think we're recording this week. Uh, there you so go. Tune in for that on the corner. Follow Nick. Um, you're going to be hearing more from him. You're going to see me, be seeing more of his writing. I'm going to be lighting that fire to get him to post some more for us uh, because it's great stuff. Nick, good luck with everything on the 3.0. You guys are killing it over there. Thank you so much for joining Justin and myself. Justin, you're the man, man. I will talk to you maybe later this week if we can if we can finagle that. But this probably ain't going to be it for the week, guys. So don't don't be getting you don't excited. Want to do that... two hours on catchers? Actually, I was going to do four hours on DHs. Oh, don't Taylor get me Ramirez started. I'll, I'll... And Nelson Cruz mm-hmm. and Kendris Morales. So we've got some, and we'll talk about guys who aren't in the league but could come back. Billy Butler, I've got some thoughts <laughs> on him. No, anyway, let's wrap up, guys. Thank you guys so much for being on, and I'll talk to y'all later.